you know, I'll probably give it away once I feel safe and things are back to normal. And it's just like, I don't want this guitar. It's like, or like if there's a student who's like, oh, I need a guitar. It's like, oh, I'll sell you mine for 50 bucks. Here you go. You know, like that type of thing. Um, and you can continue the cycle of shitar. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> everybody to another episode of the Motormouth podcast the podcast where a lot of great ideas go absolutely nowhere my name is joel tyree and with me as always my esteemed co-host the tim gerard hello tim hello hello two topics enter insanity's left tim what'd you bring i'm steeped Today in I anticipation want to talk about <laughs> american myths interesting that's a very broad <laughs> well and it's something it's, generic it's, discussion it's, yeah it's something that's kind of wandered through my head a few times and i'll get into kind of like my my past thoughts on it but um it it, it hit a different point recently there so there are a few ideas i want to sort of bring together okay so it's kind of a connection to, to last time with the whole like the cue and the uh um you know, the, the conspiracy theories and the cults, it's, it's kind of connected to that in a way. Um, but, but coming at it from the idea of mythology. Oh shit. Myths are conspiracy theories that have stuck around after they were relevant. (laughs) You know, and that's part of what I want to talk about too, is that, that difference. Well, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. This is, this is also connection back to the kind of Joseph Campbell stuff too, like how Mm -hmm. this kind of works into current day and that stuff. And, lots of other stuff so listeners yeah. are you sensing a theme tim likes things that connect over broad arcs <laughs> you know sometimes i'm like i'm i'm glad i didn't find out about QAnon earlier because like i i feel like my brain does have tendencies not that i'm i want to be into conspiracy theories but mm-hmm. like what is appealing about those is how they tend to connect a lot of stuff that's you know like Again, it's all based on this idea that like, oh, well, there there are no coincidences. So once you accept that, anything that looks like a coincidence is actually proof of something, mm-hmm. you know. So it's like my brain likes kind of doing those things like, oh, look, this over here has the same letters as this over here. <laughs> you know, and it's like they must be related somehow. <laughs> like the whole Lincoln and Kennedy thing where, oh, yeah. Lincoln had a secretary named Kennedy. Kennedy had a secretary named Lincoln. John Wilkes Booth and, you know, John, uh, was it, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald had the same letters in each. You know, it's like, oh, OK, like what, what, <laughs> what does that mean? Like what, what does that have to do with anything really, you know? Yeah, I remember getting that special edition penny <laughs> with Lincoln's face and then a small JFK face. <laughs> I have a penny with a jack-o'-lantern stamped into it for some reason. That's amazing. Yeah. Let's trade. Let's trade yeah. pennies. <laughs> These are meaningless artifacts. <laughs> Literally worth nothing now because we've smushed them into a different shape. Right. <laughs> so what are you bringing? <laughs> before we get lunch <laughs> uh, this is episode two of joel is bringing up something he's sick of not talking about okay um i'm bringing the the arcade game joust 
my favorite game of oh, all nice. time. We're going to talk <laughs> about Joust because it's ridiculous and it exists. And apparently Warner Brothers own the rights to it. We're going to make a movie in the 90s and maybe it will still happen at some point. So it also feeds nicely into great ideas that go absolutely nowhere because I have been dreaming of writing the screenplay that will become Joust the movie. Nice. <laughs> so we'll workshop that a bit. <laughs> Sounds cool. Should be should be a nice uh, uh, ostrich foot landing for us there at the yeah. end of this heavy discussion. Is that like ham fist, ostrich foot? Is that what you're... <laughs> uh, yes. Well, I was going to say, like, it's a light, because they, they kind of bounce as they, they oh, land. Right. So, or they, they shuffle their feet <laughs> right, as right. they come to a stop. <laughs> well, that'll be fun, because I, like I like kind of being like... Because, you know, it's like I'll have ideas for stories that I'm really, like, interested in and passionate about. So I like kind of... I like the idea of being thrown into, like, okay, here's, here's this... Here's the, 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 the idea... Go. What are you going to do with that? Yeah, it's it's a game I've loved for a long time. And at one point I was going on like a a deep dive of like different box arts and descriptions of the game and looking into all of these things. And then with Ready Player One, the book actually has a really kind of integrated joust is a big part of one of the challenges. Um, And then I had looked up just on... uh, they had proposed a movie and Warner brothers still own the rights. So they're going to fuck it up. But if they make one, I will be there and I will buy all the merch. Well, and it's kind of weird. Cause how do you not fuck something like that up? Because it's just jousting on ostriches. So like, if you're going to make it into a movie, like what? Yeah. Let's we'll not get ahead of ourselves. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll have it go nowhere at the end of the day. So how are you defining American myth? Cause that, I think that's also part of the, the generic or uh, genre study discussion. So what was really in this, this again, this is where this ties back to the Joseph Campbell thing where I was listening. uh, I forget where this was because I thought I rewatched like the videos of the interview with Bill Moyers. And I don't remember seeing this part again, but he was talking about how he was doing, I think a radio interview with someone. And the person was like, aren't myths just lies. And it was the kind of this discussion about, you know, the whole idea of, of myth and, and metaphor of something standing for something else. So here's this story that's not a true story. And one of the things that I don't, I don't know that he ever mentioned this, but or in this discussion with this guy, because they were basically debating back and forth that like mm-hmm. myths are just lies. And he's like, no, they're not just lies. And kind of what I took away from that and kind of my understanding of it is the idea that it's, it's supposed to be understood that it's not true. And that it is a metaphor. That's so it's like, the... if, so where it becomes a lie is if you're believing it to be true, you right. know? So, so that's when it becomes this, this, this sense of like, Oh, I told you this story. That's not true. Well, no shit. I never meant for you to believe it to be true. It was a story about something that maybe, you know, you kind of learn something from it or get something interesting or whatever, you know? So, and it's one of the things that the Joseph Campbell had talked about is the idea that where a lot of religions go wrong is that, you know, their mythology. And that's the thing is a lot of religions, if you told someone who practices a certain religion, we're referring to their beliefs as, as mythology, most of them get insulted because to them it's not mythology, it's fact. Right. And that, that's sort of one of the things that Joseph Campbell had pointed out as being the problem with religions is that they go 
beyond the point of okay, these are these are stories that are again they're they're myths. They're meant to be metaphors for me to relate to my life. Instead, it becomes this grandiose true fact that everyone's supposed to follow to the letter, and that's where things get fucked up. So, um, so that that's part of it. That's part of you know again you know kind of I guess yeah if we want to talk about what, what we're when we say myth. You know, it's this idea that it's a it's a story, but that the intention—I guess maybe not intention, because maybe that has more to do with the person who's telling the myth. But the the yeah the the, the purpose of the myth is to kind of learn something from it again, and that's where the the metaphor comes in. And and I'm I was victim of this too. I mean, it was one of the things that first broke me out of religion when a lot of these stories kind of didn't sit right with me as as factual stories. And I remember at one point as a kid asking my dad, and I may have brought this up before and I was like, Oh, you know, like, are these stories true? And he was like, no, they're just kind of stories to teach you how to be a better person or something along those lines. And I was like, Oh, okay. And then that made sense to me like that. I could, I could take those stories, you know, and, you know, and, you know, we're speaking about Catholicism specifically, I could take those stories and now have a relationship with them on that level. You know, and that's kind of the, in a, in a, in a personal way, how I kind of came to terms with that. Because for a while, I was very kind of like angry at Catholicism because, you know, kind of what I felt it kind of did to me in a lot of ways. Nothing, nothing horrific, but just like the way it kind of models the way you think or uh, what's that word? Um, not entrains. I think it's something. Uh, Entrenches entra- or, yeah, or yeah, um, conditions. Yeah. Can, yeah. All those things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, there's a, there's a word I'm thinking of that's more sinister, but we'll, we, I won't try to find that word. <laughs> but just where I came to terms with it is now it's like I don't I don't hate those stories anymore because it was it was not those stories' fault that that happened. It was people who were pushing those stories on me as fact that was kind of doing the damage, not the stories themselves. And that's kind of one of the things the way I've kind of come to it. Not that I'm again I'm not religious. I don't believe in a lot of these things but the you know my understanding of the black better term we'll call him the character jesus is not about whether or not he did exist but if you read the stories it's like oh that was kind of cool that he did that okay maybe i should find you know the kind of wwjd idea of looking at is i think again there are things you could learn from those stories but to me, it doesn't matter if if he's real or not, or if he's actually the savior, this, that, and the other thing. That's not what's important. It's what he did as a person in those stories and how you as a person, and that's, I feel like, well, one of the faults of the religion is to separate everyone from, from Jesus in those stories. Like, no, no, he's better than you. You'll never be this. You'll never be this good. Don't even try it. It's like, all right, well, he's doing all this really cool stuff, being a really nice person. I was going to try to be a nice person, but if you're telling me there's no way I could possibly be like that, then fuck it. You know, why, why bother? And that, you know, that type of mentality as opposed to like, yeah, like, I mean, I don't have superpowers, but I could help out a person who's in need of help. That's a good example that he says, you know? And so, but again, it's, it's the story, you know, it, it doesn't matter if it's fact. I don't, I'm not interested in whether or not it's true or proving it's true or whatever. That's not, um, that's not useful to me. It's, it's more useful and more effective, I think, you know, on that metaphorical level. What I was curious about was how you defined American myth. Oh yeah. We'll, we'll get to that. Too. That's, that's... <laughs> Cause that is a dicey, I don't know, claim to make 
where do they originate? Who? That's kind of the, I guess, the, just the foundation of the definition of, of how I'm using the term myth. myth now, myth. years ago, I, I remember kind of making the realization, you know, and you kind of, again, you know, as an American, I feel like you forget, you don't really realize like how young America is compared to the rest of the countries, the rest of the established countries, you know, and kind of when, you know, when, when I went through this new age phase, I think a lot of why that happens to a lot of people is because there are so many cool myths in so many other parts of the world, because those countries are just like, you know, they're, they're more than a couple centuries old, you know, like their, their cultures and their myths stretch back like, thousands of years you know um you know some of them who have come and gone like the egyptian mythology you know and the, you know ancient greek and ancient roman mythology but then you know, we have things like you know like the hindu mythology which is like still alive and well but it's but it's old as hell too you know it's not just like oh yeah a couple decades ago we kind of started these stories you know? right or centuries, I guess I should, you know. So it was just something that occurred to me. Well, okay, we have like Indian myths, so we have Japanese myths and Chinese myths, and and you know, I think you know Russian myths. You know, like when you kind of you know like the you know, sometimes they take the form of fairy tales, and you right. know, when I'm not super well versed on all the myths from all the countries, but I know they're out there. You know, because every now and then we get a Disney movie that's based on some German myth, <laughs> and then people are pissed off that they're whitewashing <laughs> Disney movies. It's like it's based on a German myth. Germans are white. They're not taking like an Asian myth and turning it into white people, you know, that would be fucked up. But if it's based on like, you know, Swedish or, or, you know, German, like, so, I mean, it's good that nowadays they're not just basing it on cultures that are white people, but you know, it's like, like, I think that was the case with like, yeah, like little mermaid or something like that. They're like, Oh, they're whitewashing. It's like, well, you're right about the fact that they could be making stories about people of color, but they're not, you know, taking away the stories of, you know, from them, from those, they're not taking the stories from those cultures and making them white stories. Like those were originally white stories, which is a different problem, but. Um, I think their problem with Little Mermaid is Sebastian. I don't think it has oh, yeah. to do with <laughs> the whitewashing of yeah. the mer people. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, you know, I, I know, sorry. Yeah, I think more what I was speaking of is like, there was a period where there were only white Disney stories right. and it's like, well, it's not, yeah, it's not whitewashing. Like those are, fr- those are the cultures those are from. Like, yes, you're right. Like, how about some other cultures, other cultures and mythology? And then, they, you know, then we got Mulan and, and Moana and like, it's, it's better now. So it's good that those things happen, but it's like, don't, don't get it twisted. You know, like make sure, yeah. Identify what the probably problem actually is, I guess is right. what I'm saying. You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, the fact yeah, that we're Sebastian, telling that's fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> thousands of year old Anglo Saxon right. folk tales is more the problem than there's all of world history. And like you just said, mythology and stories that have endured for thousands of years are, are, are ripe for interpretation or at least representation. Yeah. Yeah. So, so anyway, like, yeah, I got on this Disney tangent, nothing against Disney. Like they're like all said, things it's better against now. Disney. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's better now. They're, they're trying, they're trying to do, they're listening. I feel like they're, they're doing different things. So like, yeah, it kind of occurred to me that like, yeah, like what are, what are our American myths? Like, what are the, like, we're, you know, we're, we're too young, you know? And it's like, well, the, the closest thing to American myths would be, you know, the actual indigenous people's mythology, which is the, the myths of this geographic area. But, but, you know, we don't, we don't subscribe to that. We, we're, we, we want to push that away. We want to forget about that. You know, and by, by we, I don't mean you and me, I mean like America as a, as a whole, you know? 
but but like um, the America as we know it right now, I was like, well, what are our myths? And this is where I remembered. I thought back to like when I was in like elementary school, and we learned about like Johnny Appleseed and <laughs> That's Paul the first Bunyan. Thought I had, yeah, Aesop's. Isn't Aesop supposed to be American too, or is that older? Um, I guess that name sounds Latin. Maybe I'm not wrong. Yeah. Well, also, like I know it as Aesop's Fables, so they're kind of telling yeah. you these are stories. But like yeah. I remember when we when we heard on, and, and again. To be fair, my disclaimer is I'm terrible at history. So first of all, I don't know if any of these, maybe there was a guy actually named Johnny Appleseed, but the way it was presented to me was was as fact. Like it wasn't, so, so, so yeah, maybe that's a person, maybe he did exactly what they said. He wore a pot on his head and planted apple seeds all over the, the, all over the U S and that's why we have apple seeds. I know that that's a big part of, um, I think that is one of our claims to fame is that people brought seeds from all over the world. And that's why there are things in our country that don't naturally belong here, but mm-hmm. because people, you know, emigrated, brought those things, that's why those things are here. So as I got older, I was like, Oh, is that what that is? Like, was that not a real guy? And this is just explaining, you know, to kids in a way they can understand, you know, here's how, you know, not only is America a melting pot of people, but also of like species of plants and animals, because people just bring shit over here that wasn't naturally here to begin with. Right. And then the whole thing of Paul Bunyan and his, yeah. you know, his giant blue ox babe, where they would wrestle. Right. And that's where the mountain ranges came from, because they would just smash into the ground and push the, you know. So, so again, like, as a kid, like, you're, you know, you believe in Santa Claus, you know, maybe you believe in Jesus. So here's where the mountains came from. Like, but, but that was sort of the thing that was, it was presented as this myth, this story of an explanation for, Oh, why are the mountains here? Oh, because of this guy and this big blue ox, they would wrestle. And that's why we have mountains. So as a kid, you're like, Oh, okay. You know, and, and and I feel like we learned about that in social studies class, which was like history, you know, history light, you know? (laughs) So how was I, how was I as a kid supposed to distinguish that from, from actual fact that you're teaching us, you know? Um, we Another one again. Thing with the founding fathers, right? We have the honest <laughs> Abe thing, and we have mm-hmm. the cherry tree, the yeah. cherry tree. Yeah, which is interesting. Like it's interesting to see the things that have like, and I'm also thinking like tortoise and the hare. I'm sure that that's has some Scandinavian roots or something. But like, I'm thinking like we also have like Bugs Bunny and shit. Like we we have a medium pioneered a medium for myth and fable to be re- represented in a way that had never been done before. So I feel like a lot of our history was also like, okay, how do we, we can now share all of these others, all these stories in, in some sense, I feel like that, I don't know, like a American film might be the closest thing we have to an enduring mythology. Does that, maybe that's just too film critic up my own ass. But that seems to be the thing that, I mean, the, the reason myths exist is because of perfiliation of, of material, right? Like we see multiple accounts of similar stories across uh, 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 dividing lines of, of culture and uh, race and uh, physical location. And in a way, I'm sorry, I might, I might be deviating too wildly from, yeah. uh, but like, I, I feel like the way we've proliferated story in our young history as a nation has been mostly moving pictures or music, music also, I guess, could be in the same. Cause there's kind of, you, I, now I'm thinking of like rock star mythology. Like we have mythic, mm-hmm. like celebrity has become kind of the new, uh, 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 God figure <laughs> in, in a certain sense. Like, we we heap praise upon them. We aspire to be them. 
we hold them to inhuman uh, uh, standards, and we we learn about them or claim to know about them from the things that they create, their art. So in in the same sense that people are looking at creation and trying to derive an origin point or a creator, we're also looking at the creative output of, yeah, sorry, (laughs) we can can go back. But like, that's just where my mind went was like, we don't really like, because we, I don't know that we have all like Johnny Appleseed, Paul Bunyan, and kind of the founding father myths. And what, I mean, the way we were taught about Columbus is also a huge kind of propagandist, uh, propagated myth that was propaganda to make us look great. It's also yeah. the wrong fucking location where he landed is nowhere in the contiguous United so, States. Well, that and that's what this whole thing was building to is the idea that our part of why I think I thought we didn't have myths is because our entire history is a myth. Like our history is a story that was told. And, and that was another realization I had a while ago. I was sitting on the couch with Kristen and we were watching something. I forget what it was. And I was like, Oh, I figured out why we don't have any, any, any myths, you know, because, because we're, we're the bad guys in all our stories, you know? So it's like, we're, you know, a myth is, is usually the culture kind of, you know, telling, uh, what was I, it was something, I can't remember what it was, but it was telling about how, you know, myths usually kind of come out of here is this oppressive group that's coming in and kind of imposing us. And it's kind of how we have to become the heroes of our story and triumph against this outside force. And it's just like, fuck, we're the outside force. We're the invading force. We're the, we're the bad guys. Like that's why we haven't, you know, and, and, and that's kind of what led, you know, to that thing is like, Oh, well, the stories we tell ourselves are the stories of our, our triumphs are, are you right. know, all the shitty things we've done. Against our so, foreign oppressor in the, the British government, right? Like that's, right, yeah. that's why we have such an American hard on for, for right. independence and guns and stuff. It's like, we beat the bad guy. These right. are the things we use. These are the things we've like, like the, the, yeah. 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 But we've, we've <laughs> highlighted that history to make ourselves look like the good guy. Yeah. And what actually was going on throughout all of that was, just us uh, imposing in the same way that we, the, the, the settlers felt imposed upon by other people's beliefs and cultural restrictions. We have done the same thing. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that was kind of, and it's interesting because it's, it was, it was years that I was kind of thinking about that is like, is that why, you know, America kind of seems to be always in this kind of upheaval is it because we don't, we don't have a mythology, a, a united mythology that's kind of steering us and, but then I realized, like, no, it's the opposite of that. It's like we have this united mythology that's been sort of presented to us and kind of told as truth. But again, it's not it, – it, it's, it's, I think, what goes wrong with all mythology is it becomes accepted as fact. You know, yeah, like, like you said, Christopher Columbus, like that was – that's a part of it is like we look at these figures as, oh, these are historic figures. This is fact. This is history. But no, those are myths too that we've been told a version of this story that we've – believed to be fact and kind of you know and and look at every time there's a backlash around columbus day when it's like no it should be indigenous people's day how many people are just like so fucking pissed off like how dare you christopher columbus it's just like like who the fuck cares like you know right. it's it, again the he's effectiveness not... of of that conditioning is paramount like it, it definitely is yeah that's, like that's... It, he's he's not a God. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you know, he's been, he's been turned into this guy. Like, Oh, we need statues and a holiday. And it's just like, Oh, fuck him. You know, like, right. 
So I just want to pause for it because everything you were saying is like, yes, that's part of the, like, you know, the, the films and, you know, another big thing for me is also like, um, I know this isn't American, but I feel like we've kind of adapted this like a lot of other stuff is like Lord of the Rings. I feel like that's become yeah. almost this like, you know, again, it's, it, 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 it's meant to be mythology. And I remember, I remember one of my uncles was like, uh, he was, he was, uh, he'd gone back to get, I think a degree at some point, like he was taking night school. And one of the classes he had to take was like an English or creative writing class. He had to read the Lord of the Rings for his class. And one of the things I remember him telling me is like, you know, like, yeah, there, there are people who believe that this is history, that this, all this stuff actually happened. And I remember just kind of like, I'm going to just be like, just, just keep your mouth shut. You're like, you know, I, so I'd be like, really, there's this book. And a lot of people think that everything happened in the book actually happened in real life. And it's not just ridiculous? this fantastical story. It's like, man, what, what do they think? Of? It was just like, no, just, just shut the fuck up. Don't say, you know, um, so, so yes, Bur- Bo Burnham, someone can shut the fuck up about something. I shut the fuck up once. <laughs> once. I'm bored. <laughs> once. Well, that's another thing um, is like the, the, and I think a lot of our myths are like, because like, we have this fantasy myth, right? Like that's something that's perpetuated in popular culture and something we kind of gravitate to as this, this other place, right? Like this yeah. other, not technologically developed kind of a, a clear distinction between right and wrong. Who are the bad guys? Who are the good guys? This kind of archetypal relationship to nature and mm-hmm. magic and those kinds of things is definitely within like, our myth building minds want to like how many elf stories are there dwarf stories? And these are all like extrapolated from things in myth, right? Like dwarves and trolls and giants and all those things have their root in these myths from these other places. But I'm also thinking of like aliens, right? Like how, how big a part of American storytelling is invaders from another planet and how, how that's also a metaphor for colonization and how afraid it's, it's, it's a foil. Or a mirror held up is like, oh, God, we hope that somebody yeah. bigger and badder doesn't come and take over our shit. And that's the maddening <laughs> thing about people who don't understand mythology and metaphor is that they're, you know, they watch these stories about, oh, man, yeah, you know, fuck these aliens who are coming in here and, and trying to take over our planet. It's just like, that is you, motherfucker. Like, why don't you see that? Like, God damn it. Like, you know, and it's like, oh, no, that's just the story. That's just Hollywood, you know, bullshit. And it's like. Okay. It has yeah, to come like, from somewhere. I think that that's that's a main. It has to be a first principle. Is story doesn't come out of nowhere. Right. Like I, it has to be informed by some so like some world experience, some some frustration with something, and 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 making it abstract and yeah. and tangible and enjoyable and cathartic in a sense. Like that. That's why it feels good to see the the legion of space mutants turned back right like to triumph over it like i mean independence day the the alien invasion movie is as much an american myth as anything else right like this like how many people i did like love that speech given by is it pullman pillman uh i think it's pullman pullman right i don't know (laughs) bill pullman like bill paxton right paxton and there's also a wrestler called bill pullman who now is a, whose son is now wrestling? So they, I've got Pillman, Pullman, Paxton. It's all oh, yeah. stuck up in there. But like, how 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 much a part of the celebration of Independence Day has that movie become after it came out? Like that has become part of the celebration of it. 
And it, it's just interesting that we, how we juxtapose kind of like, the, I mean, I do, I'm as guilty of it as it like Mr. Smith goes to Washington is this hugely cathartic film for me. It's like, Oh, the little guy's getting to, to, to hold up the big machine. And, and he's actually given a voice within the system that this is how they taught us when it was little, when we were little, like this is how progress is made. It, one person's voice is, is powerful enough to, overthrow corporate greed and and turn the tide of an entrenched uh uh, uh political system it's bullshit it's a myth <laughs> it feels so good because it's fictional <laughs> and it's jimmy stewart who's absolutely amazing like <laughs> i i just like now now i'm like i can't we have so much as as you were talking about kind of like the 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 effectiveness and the kind of blanketing overwhelming power of kind of the myth making of America and through education and kind of this nationalistic identity it is so strong. And, and we've, it has so much, so many more tools at its disposal than any like social media with uh, uh, movies and TV and, and radio, even like just the, the ability to profile it. I mean, that's the thing, like, the American dream, the myth of the American dream. That's that's it. Is that's so powerful one. and so far reaching that everybody on the planet knows about it. That's how powerful the the self-indulgent myth of America. We this is rapidly descending. It's like we're we're becoming a very left uh podcast, which I'm fine with. Like that's that's how I, I think and I feel it just i just real like i, I had an out of body experiences like look at you talking about shit like you know what you're saying <laughs> <laughs> all of this with the caveat listeners that we have no degrees in these fields we're just we're trying to to talk at a problem <laughs> we need guidance from a white guy like me bingo yes absolutely <laughs> we need more of that voice yeah i i think it feels like there aren't that many because we've beaten to death all these other ones in terms of, yeah. of, of like American myths, like the. Well, you know, and so again, and again, that's it. Like, I think it's, it's like, you know, like I said, it, it's why it took me so long to recognize them because they're, you know, like, like most myths have become, they're taught as fact, not as here's a bedtime story that we're going to tell you. And then you're going to grow up and realize it was a bedtime story. It's like, no, no, we still believe the bedtime story. So I just, sorry, I, I had taken some notes. I just wanted to mention this was kind yeah, of along sure. the lines where you were saying with uh, Columbus is also like the pilgrims and Thanksgiving, right? you know, yeah. like that idea that it's like, again, that's, that's taught in school as history, you know, mm-hmm. oh, they sat down and had a nice meal together and they ate a bunch of Turkey and the Indians with the feather in their cap. So you're going to make the little construction paper uh-huh. headband with the feather. And then you're going to make the blue, the black hat with the buckle. And it's about us all sitting down together and it's wonderful and it's great. And don't even worry about like where, you know, Oh, teacher, where are the Indians now? Oh, don't worry about that. It's not, that's not important. It's how, how nice the pilgrims were to sit down with the Indians and all just everybody be happy. And that's how we want to remember our history, you know? And yeah. And it's, you know, yeah, again, yeah. So the same thing with like Christopher Columbus, it's like this, we're going to tell this idealized version where we're the heroes, you know, and, and, and that's what we're going to teach. So again, it's not a, I don't know that Joseph Campbell ever went so far as to say this, but like, I feel like mythology can be dangerous because if oh, yeah. it's not, you know, it's For not sure. acknowledged to be 
a story to teach a lesson if it's taken as fact. And I mean, you know, again, this is what goes back to the QAnon stuff. Like, you know, they're, 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 uh, I forget where I saw this, but someone was doing interviews with like different people who are kind of involved in the QAnon thing. This wasn't in the documentary. This was like before when I was first curious about what QAnon was, but like, you know, how it tied like, Oh, it's the lizard people and the hollow earth and the, this, and, and you know, people who are like, yeah, like, like the earth is being taken over by lizard people. Like there are people who just straight up believe that to be fact, like the flat earth or the people believe that the earth is flat, which I feel like that's almost maybe a counter myth. Like, they're believing what is fact is a myth and kind of doing the opposite of, you know, like, so that's an interesting thing. And I think in that sense, maybe that's why that's been so curious to me is most people will take something that's not real and believe that it's real, you know, and kind of, yeah, take a myth and believe it as fact where they're doing the opposite. They're taking fact and turning it into a myth, turning it into a story that's been told to control us somehow. You know, I don't, I don't want, I don't know what the end, I think we were saying that. What's the end goal? Like of, of, oh, the earth is flat, but we're going to lie and tell everyone it's around. Why? What, what do you have to gain by that? <laughs> Again, I'm not a sociologist, but what make that makes me think is there's a very big part of, and I think this has to do with enlightenment deviations in the church. Like, I think this has a big origin in the move from here's your conduit to speak with God. You're not special enough to mm-hmm you can have a personal relationship with Jesus. So you're special. You're special enough to be subjugated and deceived. And you're significant enough to, 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 to matter in the world that somebody would want to deceive you. I think that might be a part of it too. I think oh, there's yeah. a big yeah. kind of, I, I, and I, this is, might be speaking out of turn, but like there's a lot more in, in other cultures there's a lot more emphasis on kind of ancestry and importance of kind of like being part of a dynasty or a, a community, like a history, a lineage, a tradition. And America is very much, fuck yeah, let's burn it till it burns out. And I'm important. And I, how much can I get? And how much can I profit? I think that's a big part of, I mean, it's a capitalistic idea, right? Like, the 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 consumption and acquisition of wealth and goods and in 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 that sense i think the the pairing of that mentality with how do we tell stories that make me look good how how do we uh craft a narrative that we're the best and this is the way to go this is the way to be and i think that has a big part has a lot to do with how myths are used and twisted in the American venues. And I think there's also the, because we're young as a nation, there's also this idea of, well, the things that have lasted are the volumes turned down on them. Cause what we've developed so much more recently is louder. Mm-hmm. So like if we can say it louder and make it shinier and sexier, that's what we can believe, right? Like that, that, that I think that's, that's the other thing is like when, when there's a narrative, when there's a deception, when there's a conspiracy theory, those stories are appealing because they're fictional and sexier than reality. They're not as right. boring or terrifying or cruel as actual human interaction. Boring or terrifying. Yeah. There's no in between. It's right? either boring or terrifying. <laughs> That's the thing is like that it's, it's so much more. I think there's a comfort in, in, in those ideas that, Oh, I'm special. Somebody's trying to trick me and I can be superior and right. And, right. and, and, and fool them all. They're going to pull the wall over all these other people's eyes, but not mine. 
I think yeah. that's a really interesting. Yeah, I, I, I was thinking of like the 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 length of the impact of myth in America seems to be shorter and shorter and shorter. We're not going back to temple carvings that have been there a thousand years in America. We're going back to, oh, this is the children book my great grandfather had. This is the, and where did that come from and how has it survived? We're going back to, okay, these are the monuments that we made in Washington. These are the things that will chisel it. So they'll endure, but also there's been these, I mean, there's Harrison Ford in Air Force One, get off my plane. Like how much, how American mythology is that? This is how our president should be, right? Like the, like the, the, or the Patriot. I'm guilt again, another one I'm guilty of. I love watching Mel Gibson chop wood in that. Like, but it, it it's not great. And, and it represents a time where anybody in that position would, I mean, they, they get a, they, they kind of check the box of like, Oh, the, the, the black people on this plantation are, are freed. They're working uh, as, as freed slaves. Like it totally, it, is sidestepping any of the real shit that's going on. It's just, mm-hmm. let's watch Mel Gibson chop wood in America the way he did in Braveheart in Ireland, which was also super historically inaccurate, but it's <laughs> sexier. Like it's more entertaining, but I think that also becomes part of the myth building is, and that's more recent, right? Like, like I think film really impacts how a lot of these things are perpetuated. These ideas, Maybe maybe myth it might be not be the right way to describe kind of the the American myth. Maybe instead of American myths, there's just one American myth that is being perpetuated by these mediums and this this. I think that's kind well, of yeah, the I bigger mean, thing. Or I guess maybe American mythology. I feel like right, mythology right, right. kind of cover. You know, that's the thing is there are there are different stories. Like yeah, there's the Columbus story. There's the Paul Bunyan. There's right. the the you know the Pilgrim story. But it's all, yeah, it's, it, all of that is our mythology. They're all the, the stories that have been put together, you know, reworked. You know, again, like, like it's, it's different from, I think, original mythology, because I think most of the original mythology was also there to explain the unexplainable. You know, right. like, you know, why, why does the sun come up and go down every day? Well, it must be some guy in a chariot carrying it through the sky. That must be it. Let's tell that story, you know. Um, so I think that's that's maybe part of what's different too, and makes it less recognizable as a as a myth. Because again, we can look at like Egyptian mythology and Roman and, and Greek mythology and go, oh yeah, like look at how ridiculous all those are. Those are obviously stories made up to explain things. Because we can also look back at that and knowing what we know now, be like, yeah, that's that's not how it works. That's not why the sun goes up and down. You know, it's not someone. You know, it's not the Ra, the sun god, carrying carrying it on his chariot or whatever. You know, it's not that. It's this other thing. And Whereas, the, like, the, the myths from this region that would be like that, we paved over. <laughs> we decimated and right. subjugated yeah. and, and yeah. tortured. Yeah, like I said, there there were myths in this geographic area, right. but but they're they're yeah, they're not ours. We we kind of yeah, we we pushed them aside and said like, oh, that's that's cute. You have these stories. We're not gonna we're not gonna do any of that. Um, and the starting point for American mythology comes from a place of being able to look to ancient Greece, looking at uh, ancient Egypt, like knowing where those beliefs had, like they're trying to explain different things or they're using mythology for different ends now than, than they would have in, in the first place. Yeah. It, it's kind of like years ago, someone had, I don't know how true this is, but someone had been like, Oh, do you know why we dream? 
And it was like, why? So that you know when you're awake. Because you can point to the dreams and go, that was a dream. That's how I know this is me awake. Because the dream, because when you're in the dream, you don't know it's a dream. But when you wake up, you look to the dream and say, that's less real than this is. So this must be me being awake. And I feel like that's a lot of times what, what plenty of people will do. Oh, you know, like, again, like, you know, religions nowadays that are, that are, that are active, that aren't dead religions, you know, like ancient Egyptian uh, mythology, they can look to that and be like, yeah, they had all these ridiculous stories and gods. That was just people making up stories. The thing I believe is actually real in fact, you know, and, you know, and again, that, that, that same thing happens, you know, is like, I feel like it, part of it is it becomes maybe yeah, less fantastical, you know, like we had back in the day, we had all these gods doing all these things. And now, well, now it's one God, but then also one man. And and now it's like, Oh, it's just actual regular people getting it done and, and being great people that we're almost elevating. You know, we're not calling them gods because that would be sacrilegious, but our, you know, our founding fathers, you know, they're, they're almost like elevated to that status, you know, where they're kind of the, the, you know, the gods of our mythology, the way they're presented and the way they're characterized as being these like heroic entities, you know? And yeah, and that was, that was one of the other things too. At one point when you, 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 you had kind of mentioned it in passing. Yeah. But just like capitalism in general, you know, like this, this idea that, you know, and, and it's funny too, because I feel like one of the big criticisms that a lot of people have of, of younger people today is like, oh, you know, you think you can do whatever you want, you can have whatever you want, be whatever you want to be. And it's like, but wait a minute, that that's supposed to be the American myth. That's supposed to be that manifest destiny. And I mean, I guess they've kind of thrown the entitlement aspect in, oh, you think you should just sit back and have it handed to you. Mm-hmm. But this idea about anyone can do anything, you can be whatever you want, you can have whatever you want, as long as you work hard enough for it. Like, that's a fucking myth. Like, Every person in the country cannot be a CEO, you know, like it it doesn't work, you know, and I'm also not an economist or anything, but as far as I know, and again, maybe this, maybe this is the myth that I was taught as a kid. There is a limited amount of money in the world. Like, you know, there's, or, you know, I know there's supposed to be gold to back up all of the money that's out there. So (laughs) every person in America cannot have $126 billion, there isn't enough money. Like it's not that everyone gets to have a stupid amount of money. It's just that everyone else except Jeff Bezos is lazy. You know, <laughs> like when, when, when there are people who are taking the money, it is not available for other people to also have that much money. I mean, I guess, you know, if you, you could, you would probably try, well, because of the debt, you know, and it's just like, yeah, like how do, how does that much money even exist? Is it really that much gold? And I'm sure, you know, I know, I know at some point, we, you know, like, I remember when I was a kid, I actually had um, uh, some gold and silver certificates that my mom got for me, where it actually says on it, like, you know, pay, you know, to the bearer of this note, such and such in silver, or in gold, or whatever, you know, and it's like, that's what money used to be. And now it's just the paper. And now, you know, then beyond that, it's just electronic and whatever. But, you know, yeah, as far as I know, it's, it, you know, it. every single person in America cannot be a billionaire, you know. That it, it not not just because some people are too lazy to work hard enough, like their their money is a limited thing. This idea that it's just like every person can work if you if you work hard you'll do this, you know. And it's a joke I used to say when I had my job in the mailroom, like, oh, I'm working in the mailroom. When am I going to be CEO? That's what everyone says. You start at the bottom, you start the mailroom, and you work your way up. And it's just like, nope. That's some people too. are just. 
yeah, some people are just going to have shitty jobs their whole life. It's not because they're lazy. It's because, well, first of all, the way that this has all been built, you know, we need people to do shitty jobs so that we can go to fast food restaurants and have our shit taken away for us and, you know, whatever else needs to be done that nobody wants to do. We have um, to craft that na- narrative to make them appealing because we know their shit. And if people knew how shit they were and that that was all that they could aspire to, they wouldn't do them. Right. I think that that's also an interesting, that is also really interesting. The idea that I, 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 I tend to think of mythology and myth as longstanding, thousands of years old with kind of these kind of uh, primary source documents, tablets or, or manuscripts mm-hmm. or these things that have endured. But there is that kind of, almost, it's corporate myth-making. Where it's like, if you work hard enough and long enough and you you keep your head down and you don't make waves, the system will bring you along. And that's not true at all. You also have to be well-positioned, well-connected, white, male, straight, all of these things. Like, those are all the, the, the things that chip away at this lie that is so much a part of American capitalistic ideals is you can pull yourself up by your bootstraps and and you can be the, the source of your own success. And the reality is there's all these other factors <laughs> perpetuated by capitalism make that yeah. impossible and false. Yeah. And I mean, you know, and, and that's the thing too, is it's almost at the point of, of being a religion too. I know we're kind of, you know, kind of using these, these terms that can be similar, but like, you know, the well, idea of- is definitely a religion. I, right. yeah. as a like full being vote, a millionaire, vote. that's, that's heaven. You know, right. it's like, you, you know, you, you, you do what you're supposed to do. You do what you're told. And eventually you might get to this, this golden place. You might, you might get to be the next Jeff Bezos. If you, if you go work at McDonald's and, and flip fucking burgers for less than $10 an hour, you might be the next Jeff Bezos. Like maybe, you know, there, I'm sure there's a next Jeff Bezos out there somewhere. And maybe that person is flipping burgers but not every person who's flipping burgers can be the next Jeff Bezos. Like, like fuck off, you know? And it's the same sense. It's like, it, it's, yeah, it's set up as a religion where if you do the rules, here are your 10 rules you have to follow. If you follow these rules, eventually you'll get here. And by the time you realize that was bullshit, it's too late. You're already retired. You know, maybe you have enough money to get, you know, through the rest of your life without working, or maybe you have to go get some shitty fucking retail job as a 60 year old person, you know, because, you know, you were just kind of like waiting for when, you know, you were working hard, waiting for that next step to happen. And it never did, you know. And meanwhile, the things you were fed are giving you cancer. Your body yeah. is broken because you yeah. worked hard as you yeah. were told that you were supposed to. Yeah. And the hard work you were doing was helping make someone else a gazillionaire. Right. This is very. America. <laughs> fuck yeah. <laughs> More like America. <laughs> no. I guess, I, don't know, I guess I'll cry again. Okay. Uh, <laughs> found the flashlight. <laughs> cried four times. <laughs> He's been in here a while. <laughs> yeah it, it's it's fuck <laughs> can we we need to have an episode about farts like exclusively <laughs> like we need to farts and getting hit in the balls like just to bring you had the... watched modok <laughs> i've watched four episodes of modok <laughs> which is turning out to be more poignant than i thought it would be it's it's i'm enjoying it quite a bit 
I, I asked a <laughs> you brought this on yourself is what you're saying <laughs> yeah as a friend of mine i was like oh have you watched modok he's like i didn't like it i was like you son of a bitch <laughs> no that's not the right response to have you know it's, he's, people he's cannot allowed, like not things, but things. It, it's not high art but it's sure as hell entertaining like i'm not like in the same way family guy is entertaining like there's commentaries being made and it's within the marvel universe so it's 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 like a very specialized series of robot chicken and i am all the way here for it it's great (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's another part of it like we again with the kind of celebrity like i i know this wasn't the tag that you 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 kind of were thinking of but like the idea like the movie factory hollywood that's also a myth right it's it's part of the westward hoe right like the idea that You move west and there's prosperity out there. That was a myth. It was rammed down people's throats and they yeah. went and they died and they struggled and they were in pain for there to be a west. And like, like, so part of that mythology has moved into you still moving west for like freedom of ideas for Hollywood. This is where you can make it. If you can make it there, you can make it. It's another one of those lies where it's like, also, you have to be incredibly lucky in the right place at the right time and happen to know the right people. Like, it's all, but within the things that help perpetuate those myths are the myth machines, the movies. Like, you see people larger than life represent in the same way you do. You would have, if, if God or, or Zeus showed up at a party. In ancient Greece, people would lose their fucking minds, right? Like, it, it's the same kind of celebrity, that fervor. It, it's an interesting... Mythology doesn't stop. I think that's that's something that I might, I'm keep trying to circle around, is that within America and the way we perpetuate myth and mythology is a, a process that's still evolving on new mediums that are only 100 years old. So the way we're telling our stories and where we're building these myths are in a different way than has ever done previous. And I don't know if it, it, it will survive as long because like, that's the thing about stone and, and metal, right? You bury it on the sound for hundreds of years, dig it up. It's still there. You can't do that with a VCR. Like you're not going to find uh, an excerpt of Wikipedia Right. Like, I don't know. It feels the digital age. I'm like, that's kind of why I digitally hoard is this idea of like, is it permanent? How much of it can I consume? How come, how much of it is, can I have in my brain? Cause I don't know if it like, I think that's another, like the 2000, like the Y2K myth fear response, Mm -hmm. the idea, like, and I think that's something like twilight zone dealt with. Like there's an idea of like a technological future an industrialist future that is fleeting. Like at one moment it could all be gone. Like the, the uh, twilight zone episode with the library where his glasses break, like, Oh, there was finally, right. (laughs) There was time now. And it's all for nothing. So it's the idea of getting to a a place where, okay, there's the digital space, even in existence anymore, like in 500 years is a, a a flash drive or external hard drive going to be, known to be what it was you know like i think that's not like what of our myth now i think it's a very like of the generations that are putting it up like that kind of myth making is very different and its longevity is uncertain it's interesting i don't know i think this goes along with what you're saying and i don't quite have a point yet 
but it made me think about how like, yeah, every time a new technology comes out, there's that fear of losing whatever we have that's still stuck in the old tech. Okay. So, you know, DVDs take out, Oh, take all your old VHS home movies and get them put on DVD. Okay. Now that they're on DVD. Okay. Upload them to your hard drive so that now when DVD player, okay. Now that you, okay. We're not going to have hard. Okay. Put them up in the cloud. Cause that may, you know, that way when you, when you, when we don't have hard drives anymore, you can get the cloud, you know, and it's just like, it keeps. And so I, I've, I found that like so much of my life is spent taking, so much of my old shit and having to like update it, you know, and, um, you know, saying like, okay, here's all this stuff from before, but yeah, like the, the format that it's in, isn't going to be around forever. So it's like, okay. And it's like, you know, I'll get a new computer with twice the hard drive, but I end up having to like take all this other stuff and just dump it over. So it's like, well, okay, now it's already halfway full to begin with, you know, and it's not like I can just, here's my old stuff over here and here's my new stuff on this new thing. You're constantly pulling all the old baggage like into the new, the new shit, you know? So again, I don't know what my point exactly is with that, but it's like, yeah, that. No, I think it's all, it's hard to, to myth make and perpetuate myth when there's predetermined obsolete, like built in obsolescence. Like I, when, when you're writing the manuscript for the monks, it's not on paper. That's no longer readable in two years. Right. Like the, 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 the way those things endured, I mean, and they, that, I mean, what the library at Alexandria, right? Like, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. The there's fact this that myth. Like, oh, we could lose everything. Thing. Right. We have, we, but we also have this idea, like, that's also a mythical thing. Like I'm sure that there, there is proof that there was that library. Were there these amazing things that we've never known about history there or or was it all the stuff that we've already collected like so that that is also part of it like that i that is very much in the narrative of like documentation or perpetuation or or outliving the the fleeting moments of like individual human life in the scope of entire humanity like the idea that we heard about this library that we have this idea of it being this wealth of knowledge that is now lost to the ages in the same, like, and, but that was on paper, paper's still around, like paper endures. If it's stored the right way, the digital space, the idea of the internet is so new and so seemingly fragile. Cause I, I mean, I could walk 10 paces that way without my Wi-Fi connection and, the internet ceases to exist as far as I'm concerned. You know what I'm saying? Like the idea that like, it's basically magic, right? Like if you were to describe this to anybody, and if you had no proof of it in, in a thousand years, if there was no evidence of the internet ever having existed and somebody was talking about this magical thing that sent signals out into space and told you where your location was and you could read all of collected literature, like, it's fucking magic. <laughs> and so like, that's also interesting. Like now I'm thinking maybe Zeus was around, you know, like it, it is just as impossible to believe that we send radio away. Like we're, we're communicating through cameras. Tell me how a camera works. I don't fucking right. know how a camera works, but I know that I'm looking at this thing and it makes it look like I'm looking at you. Like, that is just as improbable as a dude hurtling lightning bolts at people. Like, <laughs> so maybe we just haven't had like enough of a context for any of these myths too. Right. Like 
That's all. I, that's yeah, the that's fun. Part, thought, part, yeah. That's the fun thought experiment part of my brain that enjoys the moon landing conspiracy. That's what I'm like. How interesting that would be is mm-hmm. is where I'm going with. Not that we should take the Bible literally, or that any of the that those things with these negative corporations uh, above them are are touting and making people believe. Like it, it's it's interesting just to think about how ethereal and fleeting the internet is 40 years ago, that would have sounded like magic. You know what I'm saying? Like it, right. it doesn't even have to be that far back that you go and you talk about this idea. Like people have been thinking about the future for a long time and these innovations, but like, yeah, that's also strange. I don't know how I got on that wild wacky tangent. I apologize. No, no, no. I mean, and that's that, I mean, that's good. Like, you know, it's the, uh, the point of it is to be a discussion not a TED talk, you know, um, but <laughs> yeah, Ted does and, more research than we do. <laughs> yeah. Ted, it's one guy. <laughs> yeah. Ted's talk. It's his talk. Yeah. He's from South Jersey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ted's talks. Ted's I guess talks. it's more Chicago. <laughs> but, but no, like, well, one of the things you were saying, I thought, I thought was really interesting is like the Hollywood thing. I feel like that's like a meta myth because they're they're making myths you know the movies are, are a vehicle of myths but but you know and again it's kind of like i was saying before like with the dream it's almost like in hollywood they can point to the movies they're making and be like no no that's the myth this is reality and it's just like well no like that like you said that dream of being in hollywood of being this actor like like that's that's a myth you know in and of itself too you know it's like yeah like how many how many people have been told that story and just gone out to california and you know, okay, I'm going to wait tables forever. It's never going to happen, you know? And, and it, it's it, to, you can never underestimate the power of film, which sounds very uppity and very, very like pro Hollywood. But like the idea is like when they showed the train, they thought it was in the building and they ran from it. That's mm-hmm. how powerful this representation of reality is. And it resonates and it, it, it become, I mean, the matrix, right? is a modern myth. That idea that we could be part of this simulation is a belief held by people. And it's also like something that doesn't exist without film. Even the things that it drew from, kind of like the anime influences or any of the, like the, the mm-hmm. simulation idea is a direct result of the tech, technological boom, the, the technological revolution of the last hundred years. Like it, it, it's it's just very fascinating. The yeah. things that exist in this space and are perpetuated by this medium that is so powerful. I mean, that's why propaganda film was so effective and so dangerous as a tool that like it, it, it's, it can be very manipulated, manipulative and effective at conditioning people towards a certain response to things. And yeah, that was one of the, you know, you, you, you brought up the matrix, but <laughs> you know, that was, and I think I've said this before, like that was sort of my, my wake up call with that too, was there was a while where I was so, so into the matrix that I was like believing it kind of as, as a reality, you know, where it's just like, Oh, we're we're kind of like where Neo kind of took the place of Jesus where it's just like, no, that that's not the point is not to have like a a new God or new Jesus or new, whatever new deity, you know, it's a retelling of the story, you know, similar or similar elements, but, it's it's for the sake of the story. It's for the sake of similar stories are wrapped up in different packages to appeal to different people, right. you know? And I think that's, that's, I think why we have like some of, you know, 
it's different when, you know, Joseph Campbell was explaining it because he's talked about myths that originated in different parts of the world where people weren't communicating with each other. You know, that's, that's a different thing, but like modern, you know, and it's, 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 it's interesting. Like why, like a lot of people will complain like, Oh, Hollywood has no new ideas and blah, 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 blah. blah. And it's just like, I feel like, like, what do you mean by new ideas? You know, like, you know, it's kind of like when they talk about like with, you know, with, with stories, it's like, what is it? Man versus man, man versus nature, man versus God, God versus, you know, whatever, you know, like, man comes to town man leaves home like that that yeah they're, right they're the yeah the, the, the journey blocks. the hero's journey like like that's the thing is it's like they're part of why i think these things are so common is because at, at its core that's 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 life that's what life is it is that journey and it's just how you dress it differently determines who's going to who it's going to appeal to but it's ultimately the same story or the same handful of stories, you know, like, I think it's interesting I mean, what you said about people not talking to each other. Cause I think that's something that also Hollywood has done. Hmm. It, it, well, I and think technology that, and the internet, you know, that's, right. that's not the creating, case you know, yeah. creating <laughs> these bubbles and these things where you only hear what you want and the way films are made and the, the input that is given is okay. White men surrounded by white men perpet like out into infinity. Like the the idea that they're not listening to each other and telling stories that come from diverse back backgrounds is a a direct parallel to those what what Campbell was talking about. It, it, it's the same, but it, it's instead of it being limited by distance of traversal or barrier of language, it's willful at that point, right? Like it's it's. This is what's making us money. Why would we deviate from this? Like what, what other value? And that, that's, that's another level of it. The, the motivation for myth making and who's making the myths is also part of the, the equation now. I'm, I'm going to throw an idea out there. I don't know if it's true. I don't know if I'm going to stand by it, but maybe the, the, the best myths are stories that are written without the intention to be a myth. It's just like, I'm I'm going to write a story because I feel like writing it. But mm-hmm. that story is going to connect with someone for a different reason on a different level, you know. Um and and I think and I think part of where this comes from too is like I've tried to do stuff sometimes with like too much of an intention in mind of like I want people to get this out of this thing. And and they're probably not. You know, they're going to get right. their own thing out of that thing. And I think, you know, that's, you know, that's probably when things are, you know, criticized for being too heavy handed, you know, um, you know, as, as, as much as I love it and, and I could be wrong, it could just be because this is the way my brain works and why, but like, I feel like mother is kind of heavy handed about what it's trying to say, you know? Um, and I, I'm, I'm not saying that as a criticism, but if people made that criticism, I'd be like, yeah, that's fair. You know, like, you know, it, there, there are Darren so many are... mother with an exclamation point right. yeah, <laughs> for that, our that. listeners. Tim and I have a shorthand yeah. <laughs> movies um, we've seen. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but yeah, like, I mean, I feel like so much of that is very, is very obvious and intentional right. um, as opposed to, I think some of the, or, you know, like, like for me, like with the matrix, I feel like there are so many different levels that you can get out of that story. Right. You know, and at different times in my life, like I've watched it and been like, oh, holy shit, like they're talking about this, you know, and it's like, well, no, they're not talking about that. That's kind of what I'm getting. It's another parallel, another, another 
you know, metaphor or, or, you know, another thing that the story can be used as a metaphor for, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cause the story doesn't change. It's me that changes, you know? And I think, you know, with, with the Wachowskis, I don't think they set out to create a story that was the be all end all myth that would kind of fit everything. They wanted to tell their story and they were kind of true to their telling of that story the way they wanted to tell it. And I think because of that, that's why, it was a good story. You know, they weren't, they weren't trying to tick every box, you know, please everybody. They were trying to tell the story they wanted to tell. Right. And, and that's why it exists. And that's why it's available for so many people to kind of see themselves in it and, and draw their own conclusions. from it. Yeah. I feel like I, I didn't mean to say that like the only thing, only people churning out uh, art are those who are using it to manipulate and subjugate people in the capitalist system. No, no, system. But no, but that, yeah, but that is a big that, part of it. You're right. Yeah. That is part of the, 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 how it can be used negatively. The potential, I mean, it's, it's the, yeah. uh, Batman, uh, or Dark Knight Rises, right? Like this will give us clean, efficient, but it can also be used as a weapon to kill 30 million people. Like right. it, it's in the similar way that it's a powerful tool. And it, it's yeah. beautiful, and and storytelling is a way we connect with each other and express how we're feeling. And I think that that's a lot of how what we use it for is to try and relate to each other, and we can do it really effectively. And people with other than pure motives can use it really, really detrimentally. Yeah, I guess that's that could be said for many things. Yeah, and I th- it's like that whole. I heard Ani DeFranco say this. I don't know if it's a quote that she's quoting from someone else, but the every tool is a weapon if you hold it right. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's. I think it's. Um, yeah, like I remember when the internet was first coming out, everyone was like, "Oh, the internet is this scary thing." It's like, no, like shitty people on the internet are what's scary. You know, like the internet is just a thing. It's an inanimate thing. It has no no intention. No no goals, no, you know, whatever. It's just there. It's, it's people who are shitty and do shitty things with it, you know, and the same can be done with myths, you know, it can be, you know, manipulated or, you know, yeah, I think it could be done on a a personal level where I'm going to take this myth and um, interpret it in a shitty way and help it justify my shitty ways of thinking. Or yeah, like you said, it could be used specifically by people to manipulate other people, which I feel like is probably, more than any other use of myths nowadays, you know, like, you know, again, it's like used to, um, there's a, a line from a dream theater song that just popped into my head, uh, uh, justify violence. Um, shit. What is it? Um, uh, uh, something about from a holy book preaching hatred in the name of God, something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, you know, you, you, you've got all these myths that are used. And again, uh, it's it's the misuse uh, misuse of it and and the the turning it into a real thing like you know yeah you have to do with this story that this book tells you to do otherwise you'll have dire consequences from this higher power as opposed to you know the 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 story itself being the thing you know which you know and maybe that you know in the Bible they have the story of the golden calf where it's like you're not supposed to have false gods maybe that was part of it is like don't look at this story as the be all end all right it's right. The, it's a story about the, the God or by God or whatever that's the be all end all see yeah. that's also like a Jesus thing right like Jesus would have hated Christ he's a Jew he would have hated right. Christianity like he yeah. was just the, the the second step of Judaism so the idea that this whole 
other religion <laughs> exists is, is almost heretical in, in a certain yeah. sense. And it's all, I mean, that's another kind of like the deification of founding fathers and George Washington in particular was they wanted him to be the king. They fought so hard. And I, that's another thing. Like I was all, I don't know if that part of the myth is also to kind of make him more of a Christ-like figure where he was like, no, we can't have a king again. That was the whole fucking point. So in a very kind of Christ-like way, he's like, we will, we will be guided in this way and we will, we will have the, the, the word of the people and, or by the people, they mean land owning, slave owning white yeah. men. <laughs> From these thirteen <laughs> colonies, like that—that's also an interesting part of it—is the the deification of somebody who's living and how that myth evolves over thousands of years and curation. I mean, like with the Council of Lycia or whatever it was, where they decided, okay, these are the books that we're putting in the New Testament and the Old Testament. These are the ones we're not. A lot of mm-hmm. who yeah. beget who, not a whole lot of what happens after you die. <laughs> Right. <laughs> we'll keep the shit about the snakes, <laughs> but like, it, it, like I, I think that's all. Like, in two thousand years, what will the mythology of George Washington be? Right. That's a really interesting thought, um, if any. If if what we have survives to that point, right? Yeah. That I I don't know, man. I don't know if that's also a myth. I think that we have this. I think it also is an extension of the hey, I'm special mentality is the world's going to end in my time, which mm. people have been thinking for every period in history it's yeah. because they saw things erupt and Pompeii and cyclones and these earth shattering things happen in their time. And it's like, well, this might be the end. And I think we, we have, again, through the medium of film and kind of myth making is that like, we could we're on the brink the world always feels on the brink and i think that's another part of the myth is like what's going to be the thing that that flattens life what like is we the the roman empire fell the british empire had to disband and like that th- we've we've seen kind of the these regressions and and shifts and because we're so young as a nation the us really hasn't had anything like that and we're kind of in this modern era that we're like above those sort of things or like the system is in, incapable of being, or the people are too placated and too disjointed to re, uh, revolt or anything. Like, so there, there's all these things of like, we're still super young. We're figuring this out. No, like there hasn't been a nation 200 years old before with this technology, like what, what endures from it? It's going right. to be, it's going to be interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How how quickly and dramatically will it crumble? <laughs> it's a very depressing. <laughs> I don't know it's, if you had. A... Go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say it's interesting too because I feel like with a lot of mythologies, I think they do have their sort of like end of the world, you know, mythology. You know, yeah. you know, and Ragnarok, stuff like that. yeah, Revelation, yeah, yeah exactly. Ganesh, and... or is it Ganesh who comes? Who's the destroyer? Shiva is creator and destroyer. Like there, yeah. there, there are these kind of like cataclysmic foretold events, right? You know, for some, it's 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 a cycle. I think that's one of the things with Hinduism is that the world has been like destroyed and regenerated many times, and you know, 
and it's yeah, it's it's a it's a cycle. It's not like this beginning one beginning one end, and that's it. I guess I don't know, but yeah, it's interesting. Like I, I mean, maybe that's maybe that's what QAnon was. You know, that was their you know, like the, <laughs> their end of world. That yeah, it was just like oh, here's this this revolution that's going to happen, and you know, the the end, but also a, a new beginning kind of thing. It just reminds me of the 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 cult in uh parks and rec oh yeah all the reasonableists yeah the reasonableists like there it's like every <laughs> here don't here's a, a check that's not gonna bounce just do it tomorrow like right, that yeah. that whole like and oh, oh we must have got it wrong like i think there's also a flexibility in that like not flexibility but like a willful like okay well it's not that the myth is wrong we were wrong in interpreting i think that's right. also part of it too yeah which is a, I mean, that's a healthy. Well, on that note, I, I <laughs> we got to we got to discuss less heavy shit that we know more about. <laughs> I was prepared to discuss less heavy shit. <laughs> I, mean, I don't care because I was I was ready for that and I was like, yeah, this is going to be good. This is like different but the same. <laughs> it is like I I'm I'm really interested in it now. Like that really kind of reframes film for me in a really interesting yeah. way. Well, it's, oh, that was the other thing about it. It's uh, Unbreakable. Like, that's another yeah. perfect thing where he's, like, telling you, like, oh, comic books, this is right. what, you know, these used to be these gods and this mythology. And and it's almost like, you know, again, like, he's kind of presenting it in this, this real sense where, oh, the mythology was actually real and the stories get changed. And that's why, you know, because the point of the story is there are people who have superpowers, you know. Mm. But, like, you know, again, it's... If, if you're going to draw that parallel all the way through, it's like, but there aren't people who have superpowers, which means there never were, which means all those stories are fake. Like that's, that's the point of that is not, you know, all of those stories are real and comic books are real. And um, I actually had an idea for a story that I wanted to write. I don't know how I was going to do it because it had to work visually because the big reveal at the end was a visual reveal where it was these two kind of warring religions who you know, their, their gods are at war with each other. And it's like, Oh, you know, we, these are the gods we believe in. And you have the, and it goes through this whole thing. And the part I don't like doing, we've got to actually flesh out the middle. You know? <laughs> so, so then like the big reveal at the end was this, this sacred document was found that proves that the gods are not at war with each other. You know, that, that it's like they're, they actually were friends and, you know, and, and, and the reveal at the end is it's the, uh, there was a, a comic book that I found where it's, it's, um, I think it's Avengers versus Justice League, but they end up like, like most things, like with Superman, Batman, they, you know, they, they, what is it? They punch it for a bit and then they're mates or whatever. Yep. That's exactly yeah. what it is. <laughs> and I think at the end, there's a picture of like Superman shaking hands with Captain America. I think that's one of the big, you know, splash pages at the end. And that was the sacred text that they found. And basically what it was is these two warring religions were people who were into DC and people who were into Marvel, but they thought all these stories were actually real and were worshiping these characters as gods, That's as opposed amazing. to these fucking characters that someone made up years ago, you know, and that the, so yeah, the finding sacred, that issue. Yeah. Showing be... that these were friends like the, 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 you know, the, the, the Superman, the head God of the DC universe and, you know, Captain America, the head God of the Marvel universe, they shook hands. They were friends. They're not enemies. We shouldn't be at war with each other. Our gods are friends with each other. You know, that was such a fun sandbox to play in. Cause like you could pick like really obscure issues. It's like the only instance of Spider-Man that we have is where he's fighting six foot frogs. Right. And that's who <laughs> Spider-Man is. <laughs> right. Like, 
I like that. That's that is so you. It hurts. You're like, ooh, <laughs> I can use both of these uh, uh, continuities that I love, and I can pick the shit that I like and ignore all the rest of it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's great. yeah, because that's because that's the thing is, it's like I, I think this was that thinking was sort of the, the other end of this conversation we just had where, okay, America doesn't, you know, back when I was like, America doesn't have its own myths, you know, and I was like, Oh, we, you know, centuries and centuries and millennia need to go by. And then the stories that are being told now, those become our myths. Those become the things that they were, the stories that were written so long ago that we think they're real, you know, and people start taking them too seriously and start believing them as fact and start worshiping the characters and putting the characters on a pedestal instead of being, you, you know, using that person. Oh, this is an example of something I should strive to be. You know, I mean, yeah, I'll never be a super soldier, but I can do the right thing. You know, even, you know, even, you know, what's the whole quote that they use where it's like, you know, if they you know tell you to move, you say, no, you move, you know, this and that, right. you know, like, you know, like, like those things that these characters stand for, you know, like for me, obviously the whole thing with Spider-Man, the idea of responsibility, like, like that's an important lesson for young people to learn. That's why those, I think those stories are out there. Not, you know, again, this was a whole phase I went through. It was like, maybe someday I'll get bitten by a spider and I'll get superpowers. Like, that's not the fucking point, young right. Tim. The point is <laughs> to learn Tim. about. Yeah. Hey, Mister. <laughs> you want to go to Blockbuster? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> you know, the, the the point is to learn about responsibility to see how this person, even though it it affects him and his personal life negatively, he's got to do the responsibility because of the power that he has. You know, and he didn't ask for this power, but he has it, and he can't right. just shirk it you know he's he's gonna you know and granted sometimes it takes like a little bit of a um you know there's a negative kind of uh uh, spin on it you know where he ends up miserable sometimes because it's like all right i'm just doing all the things i need to do and it's you know the core of it is guilt and things like that which again that was something i related to as a kid you know but you know but it's about how he deals with that and how he overcomes that and how he has somewhat of a normal life even though he's doing these things that the, his responsibility since responsibility is dictating that he has to do like that's the point of those stories you know not not to 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 worship spider-man or to you know again to to think that it might be possible to have superpowers someday you know like you know that's that's all the shit i eventually grew out of but what's left are, oh these lessons you know and you know if i ever do have kids you know i'll read them these stories because i feel like there are valuable lessons and and, and the trials that these characters will go through are you know are I don't want to say similar to trials you will go through as a real person because they're not, but, but they're, they're metaphors for the trials you will go through as a person, you know, and, and that's why these, these things are here, you know? Um, And, you know, and, and that's the thing is like, I, I read comic books and I don't believe any of the stories, you know, that's, that's the point, you know, like, like we should never get to the point of, Oh, you know, these, these stories are based on real stories or, or, you know, these characters, you know, thousands of years ago these characters did exist and that's why we're writing stories like no they never existed you know this is all fake you know but that's fine that's okay it doesn't mean that they're garbage because they're fake it doesn't mean they're a lie because it's fake it's only a lie if you're if someone's telling you it's supposed to be the truth then that's a lie like christopher columbus and the pilgrims (laughs) that's a lie I really want you to write this story because I'm like imagining like the omnibus, like the church Bible for the Marvel side and the DC, like which issues and what, what's important and what they believe and like how one issue, like, like the determination. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like 
the determination of what's included is like, oh, that's a lesser text. That's by <laughs> fuck this Ditko guy. Like we're not doing right. any of his stuff. Like that would just be a really fun kind of exploration of like, okay, what's important? What what one issue if they found would be like, oh shit, we got to keep this one under wraps because it totally undermines everything we've built. Like right. it's really funny. <laughs> it's like the ultimate gatekeeping narrative. <laughs> like. I don't know. Well, I mean, I, feel I mean, one that. thing they would keep keep hidden is is the first page of every issue where it says written by so and so. It's like, nope, this isn't <laughs> written by a person who wrote a story. This is these are divine yeah. from the heavens. <laughs> oh, what if like the like they have the the kiss issues with infused with blood, and it's like uh, these are the villains, like these are the the <laughs> the fucking demons from this out this planet. <laughs> will come one day to fucking messes up or or like another thing too you know how like we have you know where there are there are people who are just like go out and kill like whales and dolphins and shit for no reason well in this case it would be octopuses because oh our you know our, our god superman his villain is an octopus so all octopus octopi must be yeah. evil we have to kill all <laughs> octopi because it's his sworn enemy and it's like what the fuck? They're just like, living their best life in the ocean. Leave them the fuck alone. <laughs> or they're deathly afraid of starfish because of Starro. Right. <laughs> like, oh no, they'll control our minds. Yeah, it's a baby. We have to kill it right now. <laughs> it can't grow. <laughs> I We might have to have that as our uh, uh, great <laughs> idea that doesn't go anywhere because that's, that's so good. <laughs> it'd be hard to tell visually because as i'm thinking of it it's like oh the stained glass windows would be like you know red white and blue and captain america and you know spider-man and then you have you know iron man over here and it's him blasting something you know and then you know the other is you've got you know batman and wonder you know but it's like well that kind of gives it away if you're just like here's what it is so it's like how do we turn those things into into symbols that then are are used you know like I, I guess i'm almost thinking like like with a with like a greek key i think they're called where it'll be those like those spiral patterns mm-hmm. you know so it's like you know how do we you know yeah do we take the wonder woman symbol the ww and just turn that into this ongoing pattern and that's this sort of subtle representation of oh that was her emblem we're gonna make it this kind of this trailing thing and that represents her but if you just saw that it would be like oh it kind of looks like a zigzag it doesn't look like the wonder woman symbol that's kind of going on Gotcha. You know, how do you how do you reference bats without in the letter S without giving away like oh WW bat S? Okay, I know what this is. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, the translation and almost um whitewashing, but like distillation. Yeah. A- abstraction mm-hmm. of, of those almost, symbols. I think it almost have to be written and then just like the last page is the first picture you see where that that tells it visually. Mm-hmm. is that image and then you're like oh wait now i'm going back and thinking about all these descriptions and that you know fits this one <laughs> the webbed one <laughs> <laughs> peter of the parker <laughs> what, we and, never see him park anything <laughs> they would call they would call captain america a man because they have he has an a on his head they don't know what it stands for because america's <laughs> long gone by that point <laughs> we've lost the translation for that particular word <laughs> yeah. Well, on that note, let's transition to something that will pass out of human knowledge very quickly. The uh, 1982 uh, Williams Electronics release, uh, Joust, (laughs) which I love. I love this game. I don't know why I love this game. 
it's just one like I feel like whenever I went to an arcade, it's like, oh, they have that one. I guess I always like knights, and I liked the idea of jousting. So, but it is so bizarre and strange. And once again, I am tired of not talking about it. This is this is episode two, the McDLT and joust. <laughs> it's the McDLT of video games. <laughs> God, what a what a themed birthday I would have had <laughs> twenty years ago <laughs> when I was ten. Yeah, I could have done it. Um, I did have a great birthday 20 years ago. <laughs> um, so I'm going to read from Wikipedia because that is the best uh, source of information and the best podcast content. Speaking of mythology. <laughs> well, let, I, I have a few kind of archival things. I, I, I try to do some research for, for my, my inevitable screenplay that won't get uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> see the light of day. Um, I, I've pulled all of these kind of like archival um, instances of like the description of what you do. Um, I'll just go with this first one. Climb into your suit of armor and saddle up your ostrich. That's right, your ostrich. You're about to enter a world of joust where gladiators ride gigantic buzzards into combat and friends turn into foes at a moment's notice. Now, note that they say gladiators and buzzards in this one, but also ostriches. <laughs> Fly your favorite fowl into battle against the infamous buzzard riders and knock your opponents off their birds before they turn you into buzzard bait. So <laughs> some, in, in some of them, they're referred to as gladiators. Most of them, they're referred to as knights. As the first player, you are riding an ostrich that you're on this strange kind of lava planet where ostriches, for some reason, can fly and they're big enough to ride in full armor. And if you have two players, your your partner doesn't ride an ostrich. They ride a stork for some reason. And all the bad guys ride giant buzzards, vultures. And there's a pterodactyl for some reason. <laughs> and, and a lava troll. So, hey, of course. you know, as you do, like, I don't know who was high and on what when they developed this game. But I fucking love it. It's great. It's got, I, maybe it appealed to me because it had one button. It has a flat button. And it has a joystick that goes left to right. It doesn't. It's not free motion. It doesn't have eight direction. It's just left and right. Oh. So you flap and you keep them uh, above uh, the the ground. And you're supposed to have your lance taller than the 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 shadow risers, the buzzard boys, or whatever they are. Um, and buzzard risers, and that's how you get them. But also, once you attack them, they turn into eggs. And if you wait too long, the eggs hatch, and they're just guys again. And then giant <laughs> buzzards fly in and pick them up, and then they're fully formed murdering machines again. <laughs> Tim, <laughs> Warner Brothers owed the rights to a movie for this. I don't know what they're gonna do, but all I want is for it to exist. Like this is 1998 level. Like that's what it, it'd have to be that cheesy and weird. Because like, feel like <laughs> yeah, they saw Tron, and they're like, let's do that with Jeff. <laughs> Well, I think this is also a problem. Like, it is hard to do, or I guess it, it, they have demonstrated it being difficult to make a movie adaptation of a video game and mm. satisfy anybody. And I, like, something as bizarre as this, like, there's always this tendency, like, we have to involve some kind of very specific Easter eggy part of gameplay, right? Like, it has to integrate these things. To, to feel enough at like where the reference material, where it comes from. But it also has to be distilled to 
a level that somebody who's never played it before has no relation to it can also enjoy it. Yeah. It's an impossible task. I and, and with games like this is wild. The, the premise and it's simple g- gameplay. Like you just kind of bird around from side to side. It gets more difficult, and the pterodactyl shows up. It's a very specific way to beat the pterodactyl. It's very very difficult. Like and it's just this strange why it's on another planet because ostriches have to be able to fly, I guess. The gravity has to be lower or that they have to develop differently. Like a stork has to be the size of an ostrich. What buzzards have to be big enough to ride. There also has to like they talk about it being an arena and there's like gladiators, but there's villains who are trying to kill you, but they consist like they they're mysterious. You don't know who they are. Like all of these things, you can't do quite gladiator. You can't do, like, I, I don't know. I love it so much, but it's so fucking bizarre and surreal. Yeah, like, I, I guess, yeah, I guess like you say, like, well, we'll put it on another planet. That way we can just kind of do whatever we want, not have to explain how that's possible on Earth. It's just like, yeah, whatever. This is what, this is, this is how this works here. I have, I have this thought of it being, like, um, towards the end of Coneheads where they go to Narfle the Garthlog and they're in that kind of cocoon-esque uh, uh, gladiatorial arena. Like I almost imagine oh, yeah. it as like a spectator sport like that. And what I kind of have as an idea for like a, a progression is you go out and you, you're almost going to die and your partner who is on the stork gets impaled and dies and disappears. And it's mysterious and first, like it's not supposed to have happened. And then the dramatic reveal at the end is that they've been on, they're on the other side. They're one of the, the buzzard riders. But I don't know how you do that if it's like a gladiatorial, like they have to be mysterious and they have to show up. Like it's almost like the ostrich knights would have to be defenders of someplace. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like it, it, but it, it still has to have like a gladiatorial, like audience performance aspect to it. I don't know if it's just like, medieval times-esque but then it gets dark i don't but it's also like they always do like with D &D or these things like they get zapped from the real world into the game like it really worked with jumanji like i i think those those have been really good the newer ones i like them Mm -hmm. as kind of an integration of like they're telling a video game story but not a an adaptation of a video game i think that's Mm -hmm. how they like wreck it ralph is a similar thing like they can reference all these things and it ends up being entertaining and satisfying because it's not getting into the minutiae it's it's enough removed from the actual story that these things try to tell but it's just so like all of the elements of this are so strange and surreal like for the the bond between rider and 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 steed to be such that like they die and become an egg or lay an egg out of which another warrior comes out and uh, the buzzard comes from nowhere to swoop them up. Like what a weird, are they like hybrid? Is there like this Bantha Tuscan Raider type relationship, like this soul bond type thing? I don't know. Like where, who thought of this? Like who connected all of these things? I know like in the development, they were definitely trying to do something that wasn't asteroids. They weren't trying to do defender. They're like, let's have something completely unique and a joystick system that works for this one thing. It's so unique. It only has this this kind of control scheme. And it's super simple because you're ju- it's 
left and right and a, a flat button. So like the physics is really interesting and, and the game mechanic is really interesting and unique. And, and I guess, I mean, there, there is a sequel, there is a Joust 2, which is fucking crazy. <laughs> like, like as crazy as this is, Joust 2 is like, they brought some other psychedelic to the party. So, because, so okay. So what is Joust 2 like? You, you, you know, you, you got to explain. What so is- Joust 2, there is a second form that you can take as an ostrich rider. And you ride a Pegasus. Ooh. Like ostrich turns into, ostrich. into a Pegasus. Okay. And it can't jump as high. And it's like stuck on the ground. So you can like go side to side. And it like there's more of like a castle aesthetic. A lot of the background and the villains change in it. Mm-hmm. And it's one that, that didn't didn't get a proper release in its own cabinet. It was one that was developed and then rolled out with kind of like the uh, uh, compilation cabinets that Williams Electronics put out. Oh. So it, it it's definitely more obscure. Like Joust, I feel like is pretty uh, recognizable. Like it was popular enough that it like people would know. Oh, that's the game where you do this. Like it, it's recognized. Joust Two is fucking unheard of. They also made a Joust pinball machine, which is outstanding. The pinball machine is double sided, and the way you play is to a certain point you're you're playing on one side and then you kick the ball out the other side and then a partner's there to also like it's like you're on the ostrich and they're on the stork it 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 kind of those are super rare i love them i want one so bad if i (laughs) like if i can ever find one on sale and i i have the money to i i want one like they're just brilliant like i it's it's so strange that there, there's there's a firm definition of what happens, but no backs. It's not like He Man, right? Where they they built a whole show to sh- sell these toys, right? Like, right. how do we empower young boys? Give them this uber masculine, hulking <laughs> He Man. It's lit- like there's it's all male pronoun. Like that's all he is. Like is he? Like that's that's all he is. So like it's so interesting, kind of. At, this is 82. So maybe earlier than they're starting to do those kind of marketing things, but like they, they, they defined a mythology or like a a mechanic and what happens, but it's so even like adventure has kind of like this story behind, like a lot of the arcade games have a story behind it, right? Mm -hmm. Like Donkey Kong is, is, he's abducted the girl and you have to go up and rescue her, right? Like there, there's these stories and narratives like asteroids or even, adventure one of the first games has this like you're going through and you have to find keys and you have to find these rooms oh, and you're, yeah. you're like on an adventure and a lot of you're filling in the blanks of the story and the mythology as you're going through it it's very simply designed but that's kind of like that's why kind of the atari arcade art is such a big part like centipede or or um i'm trying to think of these other like space invaders they all have these really epic depiction like comic book panel almost the the way they're they're sold and marketed like this is the label of this game what you play in the game is not photorealistic or representative of those mm-hmm. images yeah. but as you're playing your occupy your your imagination is putting you in in the idea like in that kind of artistic space yeah it's just so fascinating that like what a weird combination of things to come together like i want ostriches big enough to ride i want to be them to be able to fly i want to joust on the back of them and i'm what do you i want to fight other birds like other bad guys on birds like it just like the the amount again it's it's like the mcdlt like somebody wrote this 
and sold it. And it didn't do poorly. Like it exists in the world and I love it so dearly. And it's so much fun. But the amount of left turns is baffling. <laughs> like, and I, I, I just, I was also fascinated to see that Warner Brothers snapped up the rights to it. Like they had planned to make one. It didn't really, it kind of fell through, but they still retained the rights and it. There is a, it's in pre-production. That's what IMDb says now, oh, wow. which can so mean anything. Still, yeah. Like it's still, I think there's a spec script that might be like passed from office to office, gathering dust and coffee stains. Like to read the treatment would be amazing. <laughs> but like, it, and then that was kind of the other thing is like the reason I wanted to write something for it is like, well, they have the rights to it. Nobody's doing anything with it. Maybe if I write something good enough, get it in front of somebody and it'd be like, oh, well, we own that. This is an interesting take. Let's buy it or yeah. whatever and see if it, it can be made. Like, Especially because you love it. You know, it's not like some person where it's like, all right, uh, oh, we got to make this Joust movie. Like, hey, right. write a script for this. Like, oh, fuck. You know, it's like. Right. Here's hey, 13 Pirates. This, you know? Right. Here's yeah. 13 Pirate sequels. Which right. direction do we want to go in? Like, yeah, but it, it like, again, it, it defies explanation. Like, what do you include and what do you omit? Because and this is I'm coming at it from kind of more of a sympathetic place to scriptwriters trying to adapt video games because with this gives you more than you need right in a certain sense and I I think that might be the the thing that plagues video game movies is there's so much to integrate I think mm. a lot of as video games have become more and more sophisticated and in these great um vehicles for story the the perfect way or the best way to appreciate the narrative is to play the game like that is the best version of those stories right. so to try and adapt them and and shave things off and and take something that would take weeks months years of your life and hits you at different spots as you're 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 progressing through them into two hours is kind of insane this is a game where gameplay can last like I think a speed run of the whole game might take an hour and a half if you're like the best. Mm. Like, and, but the, the narrative doesn't change. It just, okay, these are the, there's more buzzards, there's more pterodactyls. Mm. The kind of the, the platform falls away into the lava, and then the lava troll hand starts to grab you if you get too close to it. So, like, the, there's so little and also so much. Like, they have to ride ostriches. They have to be knights. They have to fight dudes on buzzard back. Like, why are they, like, do you, do you focus on like the relationship between rider and steed? Do you focus on a rivalry? Do you make it like they're, uh, maybe it's like wrestling where like, these are the bad guys. These are the good guys. And it's a performance. And maybe that's, maybe that's the way you kind of make it medieval times or like a Ren fest where you you that's how it's supposed to be and then somebody gets hurt and then it's like a problem and then it, as you're maybe that you don't make it about oh uh, it could be like noir like space <laughs> joust is a, a, a neo space noir <laughs> where it's just the back maybe that's the thing like it's the setting like what happens is this is where the hap it happens somebody gets killed accidentally and there's all these things like, well, what happened? Who's responsible? That it like it, maybe they fake their death, and that's the end. like Kaiser Soze. I don't know. Here's what you do: you make Here's Fast what... and the Furious, but with hostages. <laughs> it's about family, family and feathers, motherfucker. <laughs> this says you don't just play joust; you feel it. 
I don't know what that means. <laughs> you are joust. <laughs> well, that's the other thing. Like I, I, w- I was talking down about like zaps into the game, but maybe that's the way that you kind of give it the cognitive dissonance that it needs. Maybe you don't shy away from the fact that it's ridiculous. You're just this is just me pitching ideas. This is not I think even you need like someone like Zach Levy to be the character. Yeah, he gets zapped in there. Yeah, he's like kind of a goofy. Know, we, we can yeah, he goofy, but we can believe him as the hero now. Yeah, because like yeah. Last Starfighter is a similar thing, right? Like mm-hmm. he's played the game, and now that like it's trained him up for for right. the impending invasion. So like zapped in, and it's like. What is this weird? I guess that's why they do it. It's kind of like a shorthand of like, okay, this is a fish out of water. From that, we could like all the exposition and all the explanation that the audience needs about this world, you get through this new comer to it. But what you do, the twist is that it's not someone who gets zapped into this world because they've got the high score on Joust. They're playing like, you know, Medal of Honor or, uh, minecraft or what's the other or fortnite Fortnite. and they get zapped into joust and they're like what the fuck is this like why am i not zapped into fortnite i'd be great at that like i know how this game works what is this you know that'd be then it would be kind of like a generational commentary on video games (laughs) like look at what we used to play and look at what we accepted as fact like there's a lot of dancing and kind of like emotes and this idea of like games as a service or like the battle royale but those skills would be really good in in that environment because you have to beat everybody. But it's such a strange first premise that interesting, interesting. And then you'd also have you could actually make it even more like the Easter egg aspect of it could be like the way you have to ride the ostrich is you have to like push the head either back or forward and slap its butt to make it flap its wings. So like, you're kind of like moving its head back and forth and slapping its butt. So it's like, you're oh, actually so it's playing like the you're game using the with the joystick and the button. <laughs> so it's not just like it flies on its own. Like the rider actually has to do that, you know, to, to make it happen. It's just like, this is weird. Why am I slapping the ass of this ostrich? <laughs> That's the thing, like, it would have to be, you have to make it from a, a place of humor. Because if you took it super se- like, you're not going to release it like Dune, right? This is not going to be a multi, like, $250 million production. Like, it's going to be indie and gritty. And if there aren't any laughs, why are you even doing it? it? Like, the first premise is so silly. I wonder if another way you could go is kind of like, and I don't even know if I'm sold on this idea. <laughs> but like with Final Fantasy, how they have the chocobos, which I fucking hate. I always hate that part of the game whenever I play one. It's like, why, why do I have to do this? But like, it's this kind of world and there's all this stuff going on. But then it just so happens you've got to ride this weird bird thing at some right. part of the game. So it's like it could, you know, it's like, OK, let's focus on fleshing out the rest of the world. And this is just like a part of it that we're going to kind of reference like, oh, yeah, riding the ostrich or whatever. And it's it's. It's weird and it's silly, but like the rest of the game kind of has this depth that kind of hooks you in. I, I just had an idea where like you start it like Dark Side is on Earth origin style, right? So you start it with, okay, there's this village or this kingdom that was attacked by these buzzard riders. And there was one person, like one noble knight came in on an ostrich and defended the village. And that becomes a myth that becomes like this, like there's a festival and there's like a competition and it becomes kind of like this 
thing that falls into myth. And then eventually it, it falls out of like, oh, it's silly. It's not really, it's kind of a kitschy thing. It's not really, ba- nobody believes that that actually happened. And then the buzzard getting comes back. And then somebody who's like a performer, Zachary, a Zachary Levy type, mm-hmm. who has to take up and actually like, oh shit, this is real. We we're supposed to be able to defend against these guys. So then it could be more of a like like a magnificent since seven as seven cent, like Ronin wandering samurai type thing where it, it's it's this myth that's kind of progressed. And then they've got to be defended. It, that makes the scale smaller and kind of makes the the battle aspect of it more, instead of it being a, a game, there's some stakes to it mm. and not just kind of a spectator sport thing. But that, again, has to come from like, you have to do a really good job of establishing kind of the world and its mechanics. And you have to accept that, okay, ostriches are this either like legendary bird or now they're just as abundant as cattle or horses like they're not wild anymore they're not like these vicious things are more domesticated so you really have to kind of flesh out the world in in kind of that space and it would have to be compelling enough and informative enough without being boring or too granular yeah yeah i I think yeah i think you hit on something too like the idea that like i think i forget what you said that kind of made me think of this but like you know we have movies with cowboys who are just riding horses. Yep. yep. And it's just this normal ass thing. So I think you'd have to establish the ostrich as just like, this is this world's animal that people ride. And it's like, you know, so maybe that would be the first part of it is just like, you have just like an ostrich ranch and there's just people riding them. And it's not like, you know, it's not like, Oh, why do we have to do this weird thing and ride this weird bird? It's just like, no, that's the, the animal that's ridden in this world. You know? Now I'm thinking of it like cowboys. Maybe it's like there's there's where the the inciting incident and the kind of legendary conflict happens is more medieval, and time has progressed to the fact the point where it's like a western town oh, where there's yeah, like cool. gunslingers and like cowboys who ride ostriches and outlaws and that thing, right. and then they show up and then it's like a joust like you have to go back to jousting as a defense. Because it's like the only thing that'll pierce their armor or so, something like that, where like they come and bullets have no effect. Like you have to participate in this very specific yeah. kind of shootout. Or, or it could even just be cowboys, but in this world, like guns never guns developed. didn't exist. Yeah. So even though the maybe the dress and the way of doing things changed, but the weapons didn't. Like they're still using cowboys are still using lances instead of guns. Right. So it is that, yeah, I could have that Western setting, you know, kind of like with, with Star Wars and like Mandalorian, like it's right. basically a Western, but they have like lasers and disintegrators, you know, they're not right. using bullets, you know. Yeah, this I, is... I keep picturing Harrison Ford in uh, uh, Cowboys, Cowboys and Aliens, you yeah. know, where it's like, you know, this ridiculous movie. I mean, other movies he's been in have been ridiculous. So, so I don't know why this one stands out as such, but like, you know, he just, him just kind of selling the seriousness of his character in the situation, even though it's like, Oh, the old West, but there are aliens, you know? And it was just right. like, which I'm is funny. Of- like, I don't know why that, that seems so such an odd pairing because right. any age where aliens show up, like they're out of place, they don't fit. You know, I don't know why we fit like, Oh, like current day, it makes more sense, but it's like, no, it's still like out of place. That's, you know, that's the whole idea of it, you know? So it's like seeing them with the, 
the Cowboys, it looks more out of place, but it's it's just as out of place as it would be in any town. Now I'm thinking of like uh, Brian Blessed in um, Flash Gordon, where he's mm. like, dive my Hawkman, like that kind right. of like, that's the kind of aesthetic or like energy of the, the villain. I don't know. Like it, it's, it's so fascinating to me. And it's like a place where there's so many specific details in the description of the game that you don't ever see. Like you see things play out. You see, okay, I defeated this buzzard. It's laid an egg. I haven't gotten to the egg. So a man has now come out of, with a lance. The, he comes out with a lance and then just jumps on a, bu- bur- a buzzard and comes. So it's like that's so specific, and the, like the the arena is crumbling, and now there's more lava. And if you go too close to it, this giant fiery hand—that's what I want to see—is a fucking lava monster. That's that sounds awesome. And I that I feel like that's the 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 climax, right? The third act climactic battle would be in kind of like this volcano, where like the levels are crumbling, and you're having to dodge and change levels and like change direction really quickly and try and get the upper hand and then getting close to the lava in kind of like a, a the uh, Aladdin carpet in the, the cave of wonders, mm. like kind of a long, and then the hand grabbing and pulling it down. And like, it could get pretty, pretty R rated, like really kind of. I also feel like if you just kind of like, I don't know how much you need to adhere to, it has to be ostriches, you know, like as opposed to like, well, let's modify a little, let's make it a little, Let's make the bird a little sleeker right. so that it's yeah, still yeah. You're, you're riding this this flying steed, but it's not ridiculous. You know, like I feel like that that's a way you could sexy it up a little bit, you know. Um, you know, like you mentioned mentioned the Pegasus. I mean, don't go full Pegasus, but like, you know, oh here's the yeah, here's this 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 bird that we're gonna ride, you know. Maybe make it a little less majestic than like a giant eagle or something like that. But like I feel like there could be a happy medium. You know, or, you know, like like we had in a, um, Avatar, you know? Yeah. Like that type of thing where it's like... I have to show you kind of like this artist interpretation. Okay, I've seen that before. This is like yeah. a metal bird. like Yeah. And these kind of like have more angular designs. They're more like imitating the pixelation mm-hmm. of them, which is kind of cool. Um, and then kind of like the most iconic is like the side of the cabinet. It's kind of like this sleek, bony... It kind of looks like it's got armored feet. Like it, it's yeah. definitely like an uh, an ostrich de- deviation. Like I think that's also part of it. Like maybe maybe they're called ostriches, but they have this very specific kind of anatomy, and they're they're more of like a, a I don't know like a, an interpretation or a variation upon the theme of which would be fun. Like I don't know. It's just such a like I said. It, there's so many specific details, and it's so such a great place to imagine but also strangely specific yeah in, in the elements and it's like do we want to make the villains like actual bird hybrids like maybe it's a symbiotic relationship between these two kind of like more of a humanoid bird person <laughs> rick and morty phoenix person <laughs> but like between that and this like steed bird is that a part of it i don't know like it it if if that or maybe it's just a, a biker gang like essentially it's a biker gang on the back of these buzzards like it, they just fuck shit up like then you get in a very like grease like thunderbirds and scorpions right. aspect <laughs> or you could you could also 
Joust the music. Take it, uh, you know, the whole idea of, you know, all oh, these flying birds, maybe they're, maybe they're just jets, you know, maybe it's just like a dogfight, you know. That's less fun. Yeah. <laughs> That's not merchable. <laughs> Where's right. the toy line for that? That's the other thing. Like, I want it to exist because I want Joust to have like this resurgence. At one point, they were going to do a Joust 3D for Nintendo 64, oh, which okay. I wanted so, like, I wish it existed so much. <laughs> like, just kind of, it would have been awful. It probably would have been like the this animated Superman game, where like, not very well rendered in 3D and not great with the the levels and stuff. But like, just yeah. the idea that there were these idea, this there was plans where they they saw kind of a potential to grow it mm-hmm. out because it it wasn't an unpopular game. Like it was pretty popular. So that's the other thing is like I I was really hoping with Ready Player One that it would be more prominent within that because it's in the book and mm-hmm. that would kind of strike up this interest is like, Oh, this cool old game that like now is on a t-shirt because the guy from ready player one wore it. Like I, I was wanting kind of like a cultural moment to like, okay, put it, put it back in the conversation. Oh, maybe we'll get a yeah. little more development. Maybe we'll, cause that's what I, I want updated versions of it. It'd be really cool to have the way they've done with breath of the wild for uh, Zelda, like, mm-hmm joust the rpg the open world rpg just like right i i don't know like or, or you know i love merch and stuff like t-shirts all that stuff like i i just want i want the movie to exist so i can buy all the stuff around it. yeah well that, that's how i was with spider-man you know it's like yeah. i was a spider-man for, fan for years and then all of a sudden they finally made a big movie about it and you could buy spider-man shit all over the place it was like yeah good i could buy you know a di- i can wear a different spider-man shirt every day of the week you know and like <laughs> and yeah like I, so I i get that i get that that desire for that explosion and um, Maybe it's too yeah. much to hope for both a Moon Knight series starring Ar- Oscar Isaac and Ethan mm. Hawke and a Joust movie <laughs> in the same lifetime. Maybe maybe I'm getting too greedy. Yeah, or at the least a Joust that, movie that's good. Well, yeah. That's too much I mean, for. it's not gonna. I Like, whatever form it comes out in, I do not think it's going to be defensible. <laughs> like, even if I write it, I'm, I'm sure it's not going to be great, but it'll just be enjoyable for me, which I, yeah. I think that's all I need it for. Um, yeah. Well, I think that's what's tough, too, is the fact that, you know, like, you you know, you mentioned Zelda, and of course, that's where my cat head keeps going, because that's my favorite game. And it's like, I feel like that that has had the chance to evolve over time. Right. So if you, if you heard they were going to make a Zelda movie now, it's like, yeah, of course, why did it take right. so long? Was with Joust, it's like, oh, it was this little arcade game and then a sequel and then nothing. And then, oh, now we're supposed to make a movie out. It's just like, well, okay. Like, I almost feel like they should do an updated game first as a way to kind of remind people that this thing existed. It's um, interesting because it, it, it's it still gets made and included in like Williams Electronics kind of like showcases or greatest hits. Like, he, and they, I mean, they, it was an arcade game they had it for apple ii they had it for the atari 2600 5200 780 they did it for Lynx. they did it for they even have an nes cartridge for it i got for my game boy advance i was i there's a, a collection of it xbox 360 had so it's i i don't know who owns it now or or how it yeah. can be distributed or or adjusted but it it, it stuck around it's enough where right. it, it hasn't been lost to the it, it's not like the et game 
that like you know that has a whole documentary about it being the worst game of all time and people destroying it and like finding them in this landfill like joust has been part of a conversation about 80s arcade games consistently like it's not like it but it it had a sequel that didn't really see the light of day except yeah. in, as a part of other things and it, it didn't really make the leap to 3d whereas zelda it seemed like like clockwork every every few years or every console generation you had a new way to interact with link like right. a new way to interact with that work with hyrule so well another thing i was thinking too is um was it star fox where wasn't that game originally just like you were just in a jet just flying around shooting yeah. at shit mm-hmm. and then the sequel was like oh now you're this fox who's running around and doing stuff so like that the two almost really had nothing to do with each other like there was no actual like character in the first one because you were just in the ship so i almost wonder if that's kind of the you know and a lot of people say that like zelda suffered for this when they the the gameplay of zelda 2 was so drastically different i loved it but like maybe that's what what it needs is like yeah like let's let's kind of change this up like maybe you can get off of the birds and do other stuff and maybe it becomes you know there's another aspect to the gameplay Whereas, yeah, because wasn't that, wasn't like the Star Fox 2, wasn't that like actually like an RPG or something like that? Which like the first one was just a space shooter or something. I'm not, I just remember seeing that in like, I think one of those video game documentaries where. Right. Because the ones I'm familiar with, there was a a Super Nintendo um, Star Fox that I think only got released in Japan. So it's something I wasn't even aware of until very recently. And then Star Fox 64 for the N64 was behind the wheel of, the, or you're, you're in the like a wing R wing or whatever they're called. They're, they're oh. jets. And there's like a squadron and you have, you kind of have dogfight chatter with kind of specific villains. And, but I'm not, I don't remember one where you're at star Fox outside of it. Yeah. I mean, Maybe I'm thinking of a different series then, but I just, I remember that was, that was something where it was like, here's this game. That's about this type of gameplay. And it was, yeah, it was just a ship. And it was like, but now we're going to make a game that's about the actual character actually doing stuff and kind of give, or maybe it was just that. Maybe it was just that we never saw Star Fox till the sequel where you could see him like in the actual ship or something like that. Yeah, no, I think you're right. For for GameCube, there's Star Fox Assault, which had more 3D, like three or third person shooter aspects. You're the fox oh, okay. on the ground. And then going uh, yeah. into the the jet, I never played that. Yeah. Looks kind so of maybe cool. that's what this needs then is to have a sequel that you know is RPG slash first person shooter, but then occasionally you get to ride this ostrich, you know, and to kind of give chance to to flesh out the story a little as a game and to kind of have a reasoning for why we're on these birds and jousting, you know, and then that kind of sets up more of the world for the film. To, to take place in you know or at least provides people with a little more of a frame of reference so it's not such a huge leap you know maybe that's what i should be trying to write is the script for the the eventual game sequel like maybe right. that's what i should yeah. try and work on and then you that can kind of free up from because yeah I'm, I'm i'm imagining like this kind of hero's journey where there's this invasion like maybe like that that first part of the movie idea where it's like that first... it like grand theft auto You've got to steal ostriches <laughs> to get out of the Well, that's what I was thinking is like if if we kind of continue the the metaphor of like the Wild West and this stallion, 
the idea like, oh no, you got to go out and get like an unbroken, like not a domesticated ostrich. You need to go and find right. one in the wild. And that becomes like, there's a bonding to that and, and kind of a trust there. And it's this quest to kind of like defend or, or bring something back. Maybe that's what the eggs are is like something that the, the, they have stolen and he has to climb the mountain and defeat the guy to get it. Like that could be, yeah, th- there's definitely, I like that idea too. I just, I just want joust content to continue and I want, I want more of it. I think that. Well, there you go. Joust fan fiction. I mean, that's, that's, yeah, that's the place <laughs> to start. Just like writing stories. I mean, you have this little tidbit. I, I feel like that happens a lot of times, you know, yeah. Where you've got this one little, yeah, one little piece of a game or a story and it's like, okay. Like, and, and I mean, Cause that's what I was thinking like with Zelda, like if they ever did a movie of Zelda, which I would love, I feel like it wouldn't be an adaptation of one of the games. It would be, we're going to write the story that would have been another game, but for some reason it doesn't work as a game. It works better as a movie. But by now that universe is so kind of like varied and vast and, and, you know, throughout the time also, you know, like, I mean, there are what, like three different timelines now. And that's sort of the, you know, how we have like, Oh, well, you know, yeah. Wind Waker exists in this timeline, but this other thing exists in this other timeline, and you know, so kind of just jumping in and saying like, okay, amidst this whole timeline and all these different things where, you know, and it's not even the same link in all these stories. It's like, Oh, this is the hero character, you know? So, you know, something like that, where it's like, you know, uh, every game you're running around getting weapons, wearing green, shooting arrows, killing stuff with your sword. But but why are you doing all that? You know, right. and it's, so it's just like, the you know, the gameplay, I mean, how it's adapted from system to system changes. But it's the same basic thing. You start with a sword, you get a better sword, you get bows and arrows. You Oh, you can, now it's silver arrows. Oh, now you can light them on fire. Now they're ice arrows. Now they're, the, okay, now you have the boomerang. Now you have this, you know, and, and yeah, but, but. Yeah, but at its core, it's always the same, you know, type of gameplay. But for me, what's always engaged me is the is the the story aspect of it, the mythology of it, you know, the mythology of the Triforce and like how they've expanded that for each one and how with these three different timelines, how oh this this exists in the world where you know Link died and they were able to resurrect Ganon, so this world is taken over by Ganon, you know, as opposed to this is the version where Link didn't die so there is no ganon and this happens you know and but anyway but you know but but yeah the 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 point is where it always still comes back to like swords and bows and arrows and and somehow ganon always comes back and we're always fighting him and you know it's or you know and you have a shield you know and how the shield has to react to things so so at its core it's still all the all the the parts are still there in that very first zelda game you know, and, you know, or puzzles, that's another part of it. You know, you have puzzles you have to solve with certain things, you know? Um, so, so I think, yeah, that's part of it is maybe, yeah. Like if you, if you were making another game where, okay, we're going to have some of this similar gameplay, but maybe, yeah, instead of just the forward and backward and hitting the button to flap the wings, you actually get to control it better. And you're actually soaring through the clouds and it's majestic and stuff like that. And, but, okay, but why are you doing any of you know right. what what scraps of this world that you know of can you actually build into like a full full-blown world a full a full-blown hyrule you know like that type of thing see and that's got me thinking about like i was always thinking of like it's set on on like flat ground but now i'm thinking like why would you have these birds it's to get from place to place so maybe there's like these floating cities or like yeah. there's not really 
a surface world, or if it is, it's lava. That's why there's lava and there's these, right. these lava. Yeah, why trolls. are there birds we're riding and not horses? Right. Like, yeah, there needs to be a reason why it's not horses, yeah. And, there's like, lava. pardon the pun, but the idea of, like, having it on solid ground being a way of grounding that instead of, like, here's this bizarre. But I think, like, that's also, like, trust your audience to get the concept. It's like, no, this world exists. These are the ways that we have to interact with it. That's why we have these birds. Right. And now I'm kind of thinking like it would be cool to kind of bring in like a Don Quixote type figure where it's like, okay, maybe maybe the reason we think the 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 soldiers come from the eggs is kind of the delusions of a a knight from times past or somebody who's read too many like fantasy novels and is like projecting with their kind of dementia. Like I I don't know. Like for some reason it just got me thinking about like okay, how can I make this Joust and Don Quixote? <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is accessible to no one but like me, but like it was just this idea. Well, because that's the other thing is like the brilliance of Quixote and the like what was endearing about Quixote is the power of imagination. So powerful mm-hmm. that it creates this other reality for him. And the second that he puts a soup dish on his hat, calls it a helmet, he's in a fantasy world. So the idea of like, well, the second that you mount an ostrich as a, a steed, you're in a very different world. And kind of whatever surreal aspects that follow that, like you start with that first premise. It's like, no, there's no horses here. This is the steed. This is what a knight is. It, it can kind of shift. I don't know. That That's an interesting. I'm so glad we're documenting this. This is, this is like vintage shit. Like this is like you and me in the ID card office. Right. Like, I I am I'm very <laughs> pleased to get to talk to you about this because it, it's something like I've had at the back of my mind for such a long time. Like I have these images, I, I play this game a lot. I enjoy kind of the thought experiment of like, what does this world look like? Right. And I have never had a forum for it or a place small enough to trap somebody from getting away from me when I'm trying to talk to them about it. Well, and and I think you finally hit on something that's actually like like I'm actually intrigued now. Like up until this point, I think it's just like, yeah, like we all have our, our quirky things we're into. And I get that. Like, it, it doesn't sound like something I would have been into, but like, I get that you're into it. And I understand that. And I'm not like, why does he like this game? Like, no, I get it. Like I have plenty of weird things that I'm into and they just, they click with me and they click, this clicks with you. But, but yeah, this idea of this again, you know, finally, like, yeah, like building this world, like, why is it ostriches? Why, why, you know, yeah, there's, why is there a lava monster? What the, what the hell's going on? You know, like, I mean, who knows, maybe it even is earth, but in the future and maybe this whole time, and I'm, I'm kind of stealing this from a, um, well, I guess both a little bit from, uh, DC with the, uh, blackest night, but also with, I think ultimate X-Men, I think they did a thing where earth is basically, uh, a prison for the phoenix like the phoenix is actually mm-hmm. like locked up in our earth's core so maybe like in the earth's core there's been this lava mo- or these lava monsters who have been asleep and they woke up and they're like oh we're hungry maybe you know yeah or maybe the earth is like their egg and they hatched and basically they had to eat their way out so there's only broken pieces of the the world that are left kind of floating you know because they ate the rest of it so the yeah, the the, earth, the world is basically a ball of lava with these few pieces kind of floating around. And that's how we can, you know, get from place to place. So it's, 
I mean, I, I, I again, like the, the, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm not as invested in this as you are, but I almost like the idea of it. It's this weird, fucked up, awkward future. Instead of it, it's a different world. Right. It's, it's our world, but like in a way that we never would have imagined. Like, oh yeah, who would have thought that there's a giant lava monster at the core of the Earth that's going to eat the Earth from the inside, and is now just like. You know, as it ate the Earth, it kind of made the, the fire, the lava aspect bigger. And now our planet isn't solid anymore. It's just a ball of lava, you know. So there you go. There's your lava. There's your lava monster. And then, you know, here's these floating things. And maybe, yeah, it fucked with the gravity. So these things are, you know, they're not getting sucked into the lava, but they're also not floating. So they're kind of caught in between. And that's how they're floating, you know. Like, mm. it used to be a solid planet. But now, yeah, maybe if you have a liquid planet, the gravity isn't going to be as great where it's going to pull those things in. It lets them kind of float out. But there's enough gravity. A way to, of explaining, like, how ostriches would have evolved to support a rider and also fly. Like, yeah. in, in, a, in a different gravity situation, like how you would develop being a bird with hollow bones, like... That's also yeah. That that explains a lot of the physics of the game too. Like that, I like that a lot. Now I'm thinking like I want to rewrite the the lava trolls as like this other bird, like a, a fire bird, like a phoenix. I'll just like this other factor and like oh shit, that's the big one. <laughs> like like we thought we were we were hand like who oh then it's a punch up and then you're their mates again. That's how it works. It's like they think the villain is this kind of like evil darkness guy and then they fight over this lava and it's this giant thing and then they have to reconcile and they have to fight. <laughs> There's a lot of potential here. I need to, to write it so so no one else will see it. <laughs> or maybe the lava monster is a horse. It's a lava <laughs> horse. What is it? We've never seen something like that. Four legs? <laughs> That's or where the Pegasus that... shows up. It's a fire Pegasus. <laughs> right. With flaming wings. Or maybe the maybe the lava monster, it just like it's like a shapeshifter. It's I mean it's lava, it's like liquid, you know. So it can just take whatever form. So maybe that's part of it is you've gotta fight it in different forms. I don't know why. And I'm thinking like as part of like the big deal about kind of like the pursuits or like leaving that like maybe it's like there are these very specific colonies or like cities that are close enough distance where you're not passing over open lava in the same way, but mm. to go in pursuit of the attackers, you have to fly for days over lava with no, there's, it's not mapped. So it's like this uncharted territory. And so it's like wind waker kind of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it becomes this like dangerous quest. And you can also have it where there's like a, there are bigger chunks of land that are, yeah. because they're bigger, they're closer to the lava because they are heavier. Yeah. And that's where most of the regular people are, but the smaller chunks are higher and they're up away from the lava. So the weather's nicer up there. So you yeah. have, that's where all the, like the, the rulers and the rich people are. They're on these little small things and you've got these big, big chunks of land with just tons of people who are all crammed there and there aren't enough resources. You could, you could tie that into it too, as a visual representation yeah. of the caste system. You know, I'm also thinking of like, maybe there's no, no connection between like, maybe, maybe the, the villages on the top don't know about the cities. Like maybe they're, they're disconnected completely. 
But like, maybe they can, yeah, they can see. Okay, I see that there's another landmass up there, but I don't know what's on it because I'm looking up at it. I'm only right. seeing they, underneath. They might the not ones on have, top can look down at everything. Right, or or on the bottom, like maybe they don't have ostriches there, so they can't leave. They're just on oh, this, yeah. this this structure, this this land formation that is beset on all sides by lava, and there's yeah. no escape. And then to see out of the sky this giant bird with somebody on its back like that that's kind of cool too like maybe it's like gladiator they come by every now and then it'll just like pick up someone and be like you're coming with us to come fight for our pleasure and that's where like the jousting aspect comes in but then one of the people they picked ends up becoming this hero and like oh no we're gonna instead of fighting for your pleasure we're gonna you know fight against you and fight this lava monster or whatever the fuck (laughs) see that's like a million directions to go with this like fuck yeah well on that note (laughs) that's about enough of that and here's tim with the final word they call me mr glass (laughs) we'll see you next time